When you wait forever for Gundam, you get bored. When you get bored, you start staring out windows. When you start staring out windows, you see things you shouldn't see. When you see things you shouldn't see, you need to vanish. When you need to vanish, you fake your own death. When you fake your own death, you dye your eyebrows. And when you dye your eyebrows, you attend your own funeral as a guy named Phil Shifley. Don't attend your own funeral as a guy named Phil Shifley. Welcome back. This is uh, Gundam at MHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neil, and joining me always is Chris and Solbro. Guys, say hello. What's up, everybody? Yo. And this is a momentous occasion because we're actually starting, we're recording in week three at AT, which is after Toonami, because Toonami <laughs> has, it's come back. And uh, I, don't, I don't know about Chris or Solbro, but um, you know, it, I, I heard about the uh, joyous riots in uh, in L.A., and I think 14 non-believers were killed uh, in the streets because. Uh, I guess I better watch out. Yeah. <laughs> there must be so I, I don't know if you had me. the same thing. I mean, you know, tsunami came back, so it changed everything. So it's uh, tsunami spring, man. Tsunami yeah. spring. Tsunami uh, spring. <laughs> does, does Steve Blum have a contract out on me? And uh, I think what is it? Uh, 42 anime companies have uh, now formed. And uh, by the end of the year, we'll have uh, 1,500 new releases of anime. Including so. every Gundam series that yes. has not been released here, and even ones that haven't been made yet. Yeah, yeah. And all, all in dubs and subs, so, you know, for your heart's content. And at low prices. In, in four dimensions. <laughs> in four dimensions and in low prices. So, you know, 50-episode uh, series only costs you $2.49 plus tax. Anime so. is back. It's back. <laughs> Bitches. <laughs> but, um, no, that was uh, that was just some fun fun that we're having there. So uh, we, we like to mess with you, hopers and dreamers. <laughs> <laughs> Tsunami Crusaders. <laughs> but in this episode, uh, we're going to be doing two topics. The first one is going to be our continuing reviews of Gundam Age, and we're going to be going into the, fir- or into the first part of uh, Generation 3, which would be episodes 29 through 32. And our last uh, topic is um, it's a listener-submitted topic. And who is that submitted by, Solbro? It is submitted by none other than uh, Silver Fox Blade. And this is talking about uh, the, the depictions and differences between Western and Eastern uh, robot anime, so, or robot cartoons. So uh, that, that'll be pretty interesting. But uh, before we begin, we have some news here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is coming from the newest listener submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk form or Mecha Talk form under the Gundam section, and the first one here is from uh, one of our favorite criminals from Australia, uh, Vent Noir. <laughs> and uh, you guys ever hear of the Seon Awards? I guess they're a science fiction award. It's uh, the same S E I U N Award. It's um, Japan's national sci-fi convention, and they uh, release their nominees. I've heard, of, I've heard of them vaguely um, yeah. in, in reference some time before, but yeah. 
the winners are going to be announced at Bari Con 2012 from that's going to be uh, July 7th through 8th and mm-hmm. I guess uh, Gundam the Origin is nominated in the best comic category. Oh nice. So uh, you know what that means. <clears throat> Adaptation, right? Oh, oh Wait, yeah. No, it's already been adapted. But, <laughs> but we yeah, haven't adaptation seen adaptation that we haven't heard a single word about. Yeah. <laughs> but what, what do you think happens? That adaptation or uh, turn A on DVD? <laughs> uh, seed movie. Because <laughs> so, you know it's right uh, around the corner too. That seed movie. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Event Noir, for your submission. Uh, next one here is from Burt Man Four, and I, I, you know, okay, it's time for a little. Uh, we got to do a little housekeeping here, and I'm just going by uh, the caption here, and I'm not, I'm not doing this because of who it's being, you know, who you're dedicating it to, but what it's based on. What's um, Burt Man, Burt Man puts here. This one's from Soul Bro, and yes, I know it's not anime or not Mecha, but Street Fighter. Oh boy, um, Soul Bro, you uh, you still doing that fighting podcast thingy? I, I indeed am, and okay. um, if, if if you guys have any uh, any any fighting game related stories or <laughs> or whatnot, you should definitely go to fightersready.net, register, and post them in the uh, in 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 the threads that are there. So um, so I can spare Chris and Neil all the Street Fighter talk. Oh, no, no I, you know what? It, this is his first and last warning, but we're actually going to talk about his, because uh, oh, I'm sure you got this on pre-order, don't you, uh, uh, it's, Soul Bro? Because it, it, his, his article is about the, uh, well, what's it about? Tell me. You're talking about the, uh, the that Street Fighter 25th anniversary box set. <laughs> See, he already and knows. I, I know this because uh, that day that the news broke out, Every mofo in on the internet must have hit me up on Twitter and Facebook. Oh, so you're getting this, right? And my answer is a resounding no. As I have told many people, it's like, look, I own most of the games that are on there, and I've got them for the platforms that I need them for. If I want to get any but, of those games... But, uh, but uh, uh-huh. this is some of the things you're going to be missing out on. Oh, boy. <laughs> the new documentary brutalary that highlights the lifelong love affair fans had with Street Fighter and how their dedication has affected the game. Mm-hmm. You don't have that, do you? No, I don't. You no, I that. do not. You need that. <laughs> <laughs> what about What about you're missing out on this? Because mm-hmm. this set right by your uh, your nightstand by your bed. Oh man, go ahead. Ryu statue. Oh, it's I know. A brand new statue with a light up base. It's eight inches tall, frozen in mid Shoyuken. <laughs> Could you just imagine? Could you? I just picture Solvo now waking up in the morning and just looking at it, tapping it on. Ooh, it's on. Today's going to be a good day. Shuruken. <laughs> but there's more. Oh, there's more. Tell me. Tell Do you me. have the 11 disc soundtrack? Game music from the past 25 years, including remixes and fan created music, because nothing's better than fan created things. Oh, snap. Especially fan created music that you have to pay for uh. <laughs> instead of just, you know, going to OC Remix. Yes. Man, you sold me. No, but, more, but wait, there's more. 
the 64-page hard-covered art book. That might be kind of cool, though. Because I, I, I have one of those. That is the, that's the one thing in that box that I would really want because most of the other stuff I already <laughs> got. Is it different <laughs> than the one that I have, the, the one that you have, the Street Fighter art book that we got a couple years ago at that's Comic-Con? A good- that's a good question. I, I I wonder if it's the same thing or something different. Um, I'm 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 waiting for someone to do a, a box opening of it on YouTube, and I'll, I'll be able to find out for certain. But but the last thing, and because this this just makes the statue even better. I picture Soulfolk waking up. Hey Ryu, doo doo, shuriken, <laughs> and then he's getting ready for his day, and he can put on. You could put on Ryu's belt. Yes, a full size martial arts black belt for the inspiring <laughs> world warrior. It includes Ryu's. Buikinsan and Kanji. Yes. Oh, snap. Yeah, that's so. I take it you're getting that thing. So I, guess, I guess I can't pass it up now. You no, can't. no. I, 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 I've, I've kind of got to resist. $125 for stuff I already own, plus a, a little bit of swag. The swag is cool, but I can't justify spending that much money for, for games. I'm just going to end up gifting to other people or, or whatnot. I, I, the box, I think, is the one of the neatest things about it, but I. I, I well, don't know. I, I, if I didn't own any of those stuff, I would have just it up in a heartbeat. Don't worry about it. You'll give that money to Capcom in some other way. I, maybe. So. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and and it sounds like you're slowly trying to convince yourself. Like, first it's like, hmm, that, the, the hardcover book is pretty cool. I would want that. That's the only thing. Or actually, well, you know, that, that, that box, box is pretty is cool, too. <laughs> so you're working your way up to convincing yourself. Well, here, here's my biggest, my biggest argument with that. It's 25 years of Street Fighter, but not one alpha game comes in there. Not one Street Fighter Alpha game is in there, and those are probably the Street Fighter games I enjoyed the most. Light, you was the, the light up series. statue. The uh-huh. light up statue. <laughs> you could start your day every day looking over. Hey, Ryu. Hey, Ryu. It's good to see you. First Make thing in the morning. Make kind of day. Oh, yeah, boy. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and you could get dressed for work and put on his belt. I mean, that would look great. Exactly. Right? <laughs> That'd look great with, like, a polo shirt and some chinos, right? Oh, Ryu's would, belt. Yeah. It would look great. I put on my my business clothes and 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 put on the belt instead of an actual leather belt. <laughs> but uh, well, oh, thank, thank you, Mister Burtman. But yes, heed the warning. Uh, we 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 know your love for your. It's, you're trying to be a jokester here, and we understand that. But um, you know, put stuff like that in in Soul Bros little uh, fighting game thing because I'm sure they could make a lot more use out of it than us. Fightersready.net. Just and, head on over. And, and it's serious use, not a not. <laughs> <laughs> the ridicule and uh, humiliation that we put him through. So, <laughs> next one here is from Gundam Type Zero, and this is oh man, I don't know what to say about this. Oh, but this is coming from the Anime News Network. Uh, this is one of Chris's favorite publications. He <laughs> loves the writing. He tells me he always tells me every day how great the writing. He's like, wow, did you read that today? Man, God, I wish Ko- I could. I, I wish I could write like this. <laughs> <laughs> that and Kotaku. <laughs> But uh, the uh, Japan's Defense Force is recruiting high schoolers with the Zaku. Oh, yeah. What? A recent image posted on the top page of the official website for the Japanese uh, Ground Self-Defense Force High School Technical School conspicuously features the Zaku model from the Gundam series where two students are looking at a toy of the suit while imagining themselves as one. Yeah, you got to see this picture. It's really bizarre. (laughs) I'm looking at it. Are they all forced to wear glasses in the Japanese military? (laughs) Well, let's be honest. They would use the Zaku, wouldn't they? Of course, this is representative of of the uh, the losers, the right wing, the right wing losers. <laughs> Toto had it right. 
I don't know, why would they use the the suit of the antagonist of Gundam? That, that's that's what I'm wait, saying. Wait, wait, and you're asking us why? These are the same people that a couple months ago had the Operation British T-shirts. It's like, oh, yes, yeah. celebrate genocide. <laughs> hey, as long as you guys understand that the Department of Agriculture is not in charge of Gundam. <laughs> But the Department of Defense apparently is. Yeah, this is this is the self defense force. So yeah, <laughs> they're probably the Ministry of Defense there. So yeah, the, the Ministry of yeah. Defense. Oh yeah. My gosh. So uh, yeah, thank you, <laughs> Mister Gundam Type Zero, for that. And I, I, I uh, encourage everyone to check out this link because it is a very funny, uh, very funny uh, picture there. So <laughs> next one here is uh, this is from Saber. And this is some Zone of the Enders news. Nice. Everybody likes Zone of the Enders news, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's got two things coming up here. And the first one is about the Zone of the Enders HD collection is slated for October 25th release. And nice. Yeah. So uh, that is going to be available in japan on october 25th and there's going to be a premium version too the bundle is going to include new opening animation that links to two games it's going to feature a frame rate improved from 30 frames to 60 frames Mm -hmm. also include improved background music oh man not but it doesn't have fan produced music damn (laughs) does it have a does it have a a a glowing jihudi statue (laughs) <laughs> no. doing a vector attack <laughs> and no. extra illumination on the cod piece <laughs> but uh konami is going to release the game for ps3 and xbox 360 the regular version will cost about 39.80 yen which is about 50 bucks us downloadable loadable versions at a, at a cheaper price only only 44 dollars us so that's woo Man, I'm probably going with that option right there. Oh, you save a whole six bucks. Thanks oh, yeah. a lot, Tommy. Damn and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the premium package will cost about $113 US and includes a chronicle book, a reboot book, the Zone of the Enders reboot, reboot edition music CD, mm-hmm. and the uh, Konami style online shop special premium package edition will also Zone of the Enders Idolo original video animation on Blu-ray disc. So there you go. And there's also a P- uh, PS Vita version of the game is being planned. So that's oh, nice. uh, that's some good stuff there. So um, next one here, and this is also coming from Saber, is uh, Kojima unveils that there's a Zone of the Enders sequel project. Uh, Hideo Kojima, uh, we've we've heard of him before. <laughs> He's done a few games. Some of them have been okay, right? I mean, just a little. <laughs> and it's uh, it, he announced the product at the Zone of the Enders HD Night event, and uh, the images reveal a new title will have a different mood than the previous games in the series and incorporate fantastic elements and demon-like creatures. However, Kojima said the producers do not plan to change the Zone of the Enders game's basic nature in the new project. So. I don't know what that means. So it's going to have a bunch of changes, but it's still going to be the same thing. So whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you, thank you, Saber, on this one. Next one here comes from um, uh, Kaon73, and this is from Tomo Pop. And anybody that's into models and into Ghosts in the Shell, well, there's a new major Kusanagi um, uh, statue coming out and it's definitely showing some battle cleavage. 
and uh, <laughs> she's in that she's in that 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 suit of hers, that kick-ass suit, and comes with some guns and stuff. So, and uh, definitely uh, check that out. So, all you model fans out there, thank you, Mister Burtman, for your sub- or K on three for seventy three for your submission. I am becoming Larry King. <laughs> <laughs> this statue looks really nice, man. I like it's, this. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty nice statue. Um, next one here is from Burt Manfor, and uh, this this is actually um, very interesting. Uh, Chris, I know you're a big fan of the the Hot Pocket, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, bro, I would say you're probably a big fan of it. I think everybody pretty much is a big fan of a Hot Pocket. I mean, Osaji, if if you went to college in America, you're a fan of the Hot Pocket. There you go. That, that in ramen, right? <laughs> yes. Steak and cheese, baby. Steak and cheese. <laughs> Philly cheesesteak, man. Philly cheesesteak. I, like I like the meatball ones, too. Those are actually pretty, the meatball sub ones. Pepperoni uh, ones is not, not, not bad either, man. Freaking delicious. There is now Gundam Hot Pockets in Japan. Yes. Get out. Yes. <laughs> right outside of Akihabara Station's Electric Town exit is the Gundam Cafe. Oh, and every day, countless fans line up for a small restaurant to catch a quick bite of uh, to explore Tokyo's Otaku Paradise. And... There's a little cafe right down the road that's selling Gundam Hot Pockets. So as you're standing in line waiting to spend all your money with Bandai, you can spend it at these people. And they're not really Hot Pockets, but they're ra- rather a form of Thai yaki, a lightly toasted bread crust, typically filled with red bean paste and shaped mm-hmm. like fish. But this one's shaped like the RX-78-2. Dash, the RX dash so. <laughs> Look at this what, thing. What flavor do they come in? Colony drop? <laughs> No, th- th- those are the uh, those are the Z- those are the Xeon ones. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, they have to be extra charred and uh, <laughs> and taste of bitter pain and sorrow. <laughs> one that the, the one that the writer of the article had, he had a hot dog and curry flavored one. Hmm. So, um, hmm, that's interesting. But uh, they're about two dollars forty nine cents uh, U.S. And uh, he said it tasted fine, but wasn't really filling. And it does look like somebody just kind of ironed on something on a piece of bread. <laughs> so it, 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 it's, it's more kind of cute and, and funny than uh, actually really cool to look at. So, you know, but if you have a chance to be in Japan, definitely check it out. So uh, thank you, Mr. Burtman, for your submission. And the next one here is coming from... Okay, this is another thing that I haven't come up with. Uh, This is from Arbiter. Mm -hmm. And um, you know what? Um, Please don't post rumor. He posted uh, an article about somebody walking around and basically the Iron Patriot armor for Iron Man 3. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want to talk about rumors and speculations like that in the news. This is for hardcore stuff. <laughs> so, uh, you know, keep that stuff to, a, the, to, to the, you know, to the minimal there. So thank you for that, your submission anyways, but don't do it again. Um, that last one here is from Vent Noir. And uh, this is coming from the Anime News Network and uh, Geass. You guys have heard of it, right? I mean, uh, it should be pretty much battle scarred into our minds uh, after Suzaku did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but remember the good old days of the eight episode uh, reviews. Oh man! Oh boy, man! The marathon reviews. Uh, that was some good times there. Um, but uh, we know that there's going to be a new series coming out called Akito the Exiled, mm-hmm. and it's confirmed that it's going to be four parts long. And uh, there's going to be, they've also released a cast member 
uh, list here. And Please don't read any names. I don't. <laughs> I wasn't going to. I don't see Akeda, so it doesn't really matter who these people are. Oh, man. There you uh, go. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter that the wild bear is there. Which one's the wild bear? Oh, I'm not going to help you. Oh, oh my gosh. Hey, man, Jet Black is in this, though. He's in there. Um, Usho, Usho is a Ishizuka, and uh, of course, uh, stalwart KG, uh, Kenji Fujiwara is in here. And um, Ali yeah. L Sausage, Ali L Sausage, hell yeah, dude, hell yes. Yeah, this has got some heavy hitters, man. I'm looking at this cast, it's like, damn, yeah, I'm looking forward to this dub. I'm mean, sorry, not dub, but uh, <laughs> this, this you're getting, Japanese, you're getting, too, getting ahead uh, of yourself there, oh buddy. Oh my god, I am going That's... way off, way off planet. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't. This is going to be the first part. You're, you're foreseeing the time when Bandai will be resurrected because of tsunami, and then oh, we'll get Kogius. It's, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. But um, the uh, the first part is going to be played in 30 Japanese theaters starting on August 4th. So uh, check your pre torrents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pre orders. He means pre orders. I mean, oh, 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 <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Ventnoir, for your submission. Thank you, everyone else, for your submissions and. And um, guys, if uh, do we have anything else before we go into our first topic, Gundam Age or Chris? Any straight talking, Sol, Solbro? Any? Any? Uh... I, th- I think I emptied out the tank last time, so it'll be. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh... Wow. Okay. That was, that was massively uh, hate filled. So I think uh... <laughs> I need, need a little breather from that. Got to be. Got to build up your hate meter, huh? <laughs> yes. Chris at a loss for words. What? I know, um, I know. I, I, I've so, got a, a, a topic where I have nothing to say. Go figure. <laughs> Who knew? But no, I'm good too. Where I'm ready to get this started. All right. No, no, no more Capcom. Right, no more Capcom for now. No. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be back with our first uh, topic here. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Kigley. It was an accident. That's okay. We'll just say you tried to catch a cab. You know, and also, I had to find myself wondering if season four takes place in some kind of alternate universe because, you know, of course, that this being an American co-production, they're not going to really mention much about Doctor Who or the previous scenes, although there is, of course, a reference to the Doctor. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some stuff like, you know, the fact that no one knows anything at all about aliens, even though in the Torchwood Doctor Who universe, there's been like a zillion <laughs> alien invasions. Uh, at least in Torchwood, you know, we had the four, five, six who are also mentioned. You know, people in the world knew about the 456 but suddenly now in Miracle Day nobody knows anything about aliens but they didn't invade America I know but they were known yeah, I can I can get around that though because they're trying I, to keep it as distant as possible. From I know they're trying to keep it distant, but it just makes things add up a little weird considering that you know these were known elements before. What, but I know why they did it. See, what's even worse though is that if you look at the timelines and how everything goes between Doctor Who and Torchwood, if I'm correct, at some point Amy and Rory should have been on Earth when this was happening, 
yet, you know, not only did they never mention it to the doctor, but don't you think that the doctor, based off of everything that you've seen before, if he found out nobody was dying on a planet, don't you think that would at least just, you know, slightly interest him? That he'd be like, oh, that's okay, that's kind of f***ed up, maybe I should take a look. Like, but they can't, because they can't have the crossover, they do not want yeah, him yeah, on yeah. the adult show, so it's kind of maybe, like a little uh, bit of a... Maybe uh, they, they were off on one of their wacky adventures uh, off on some planet somewhere. Yeah, and they completely, like, they could ride around it, but like, the timing they of could, it is They completely missed it, they were, they were checking out some weird planet that, of course, everything went wrong, and they got into a f***ed up adventure. And you could find the same problems in Doctor Who, even there's been so many things oh, yeah, happening yeah. at so many different time periods. At some point, you know, you could look at it too deeply. <laughs> look, people, this is chaos! In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast. www.ssapodcast.com the Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh, wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Don't hate me for trying to shoot you. Frankly, Scarlet, I didn't give a gun damn. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Gundamit MHQ. This is Chris, and last time, well, not last episode, but before that, we wrapped up the second generation of Gundam Age. So, of course, now it's time for us to kick off the third generation. So we're doing that today with a discussion of episodes 29 through 32, starting with episode 29, Grandpa's Gundam! (laughs) (laughs) Kids, get off my yard. So uh, this one, interestingly, starts off in AG-151, and we see the birth of Kyo. And an adult Asamu saying um, he'll uh, be right back after just one last mission, mm-hmm. which he never came back from. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no. Stinger. Yes. <laughs> so then we jump forward 13 years to now Keo is a teenager and he's living on Earth in this city called Oliver Notes, which is in uh, Canada, roughly. Oh. Is this and- named after Oliver uh, from... From victory, I wonder. <laughs> I don't. Maybe this they was gotta, all that was found of Oliver. His notes. Dude, they, they got a statue of a giant tire. <laughs> In the middle of, of the town. Tire, of a tire crashing, crushing a core fighter. <laughs> Sorry, that's big. So anyway, um, Keo is there chilling, and he's handing out, hanging out with uh, his friends, including this girl Wendy, who is um, the. Um, Required Fraubo. Mm-hmm. 
He promised his daughter. <laughs> and suddenly he has a sensation of something weird. And suddenly we go up to space and the Vegans jump out with some giant cannon thing which uh, blasts Big Ring and destroys it in one shot. Ooh. Where were they have a generation? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, we see a huge invasion force led by Zehart, who hasn't aged a day because he's been in cold sleep all this time, mm-hmm. leads this uh, attack on Oliver Notes, and they start blowing up the whole city with all of their uh, ugly dragon mobile suits. And uh, Keo gets caught up in the fighting, and uh, guess what happens? His crazy grandpa Flitch shows up. Oh, man. <laughs> with a core fighter. <laughs> so I think we know what direction this is going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they are struggling to evade the Vegans and uh, join up with um, the B parts, the G Scepter. And uh, hey, look, it creates the Gundam Age 3 normal. And using uh, the power of the Sigmas, Sigmaxis rifle, which is sort of like a uh, compact version of the Divas photon blaster cannon, mm-hmm. they uh, take out some enemies and then catch the attention of Zehart. Ooh. The end. Dude. So, Sobro, your comments on this episode and the opening of the third generation. Well, I gotta say, uh, this uh, this episode was a lot of fun to me. Uh, I mean, granted, there were some logistical <laughs> things in it that, that that of course you know bother us throughout the, the entire run of age, but for the most part, I just rolled with it. Um, being introduced to Keo, I, I like his character right off the bat, much like the other uh, protagonists of the other generations. Uh, Keo, he's a little bit more laid back than uh, his 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 um, his predecessors, and uh, I, I don't know seeing him in. And uh, Flit work together. It, it kind of reminds me, uh, for some reason, aesthetically of uh, Doc Brown and Marty McFly. I don't know why it is, <laughs> but I just I can w- see that when 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 Flit rolls up in when, in one of the parts of the of the of the G three, I just about to say, "Hey, Marty." <laughs> He certainly, he certainly has that that mad scientist aesthetic running. He does. Yeah. The the little clip of him when he brings in that big ass uh that big ass gift for Keo when he's a kid and is that simulator, you know, it just says everything <laughs> about their relationship. And although you know, it's clear that uh that Flit loves his grandson. At the same time, he has a he has a set purpose for him, especially since his father's you know assumed dead. And I love um, you more because you're an ex-rounder, unlike your useless father. <laughs> You're the grandson I always wanted. <laughs> now that's what I imagine that some of the angry fans mm-hmm. assume Flit said since you know he's Gendo and all. Yeah, exactly. And now he's Basque with his crazy Bascom goggles. Because his kin is nothing but tools for his own his own uh hate filled agenda. Yes. <laughs> But no, I, I, just to see Keo in action saving those war orphans, I know that that made uh, that brought a smile to Austin's face. Seeing war orphans in this series, oh boy! Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look, another white-based trio. That's exactly what we needed. Hey man, it's it's, it's tradition. At this point, I I just you know it's like whoop. Well, a stupid well, yeah, tradition. They, 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 met, they yeah. met the quota. It's actually the white base. <laughs> thing actually looks like white base at times i was expecting the uh the chef to come up saying we need salt oh man hopefully one of these episodes <laughs> but yeah it, it, it was a fun app. i, I, I can mean, see it now who's who's gonna make the video we're jumping onto diva <laughs> we're jumping onto diva <laughs> 
But yeah, it was, it was a fun episode to see Kia in action in, in, in the actual age three and getting the hang of it and uh, being a natural, of course, because he's played simulations all his life. Um, you know, I guess is the explanation why he's such a good pilot. But um, his real trials start from here on. So it'd be interesting to see what he gets into. But a solid first episode. If I was to rate it, I'd give it four stars. All right. Uh, Neo. <laughs> well, it's uh yeah, it, it definitely starts off better than the second generation. Um, it is it is funny to see how Flit is like gone from like genius scientist kid to you know a uh, very focused military leader to now crazy uh, mad scientist <laughs> grandpa. <laughs> and you know it, the, the whole explanation of remember all those games I used to bring home to you, Keo, so you, and you would play hours on end. Well, they weren't just games. They were training tools to make you into the ultimate fighter that your that your damn dad could never become. So, that where's uh, Space Jack Thompson to uh, protest this? <laughs> yeah. he was, he's been playing the equivalent of Call of Duty all these years. <laughs> he finished playing Call of Duty 250, Megan Warfare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I actually, mean, where where is Earth Jack Thompson? <laughs> I haven't heard from that guy in a while. I who knows, but the, I mean, it, it it's just uh, it's just kind of funny to see this. That you can see there's so much more pride in Flit's eyes for his grandson <laughs> than his son, and maybe it's because you know he had a lot more um, responsibility when his son was around. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it this could also be the, the the very true situation that uh, you know grandparents they do better with their grandkids because they learn from all of the mistakes of their children. Absolutely. At, yeah. Raising but, them. So it could be that, but of course the cynics want to say, no, oh, it's because He's got no. He's brainwashing him to be a pilot, and he likes him more because he has X-rounder skills. Hey, Flitz retired, so he's got a little more time to spend with Keo than he did with uh, Awesome. So, you know, and, and he had to fill in that father role for Awesome, for, for Keo, since Awesome was and, know, gone. And clearly, uh, Keo adores Flit even more than Asamu did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and I think that might be also part of the whole X-rounder stuff, too. Maybe there's... You know, it's just like the new types. They feel akin to each other a little bit more. So, but I was sad to see Big Ring go. Oh. I mean, it lasted for so long. <laughs> really didn't do much. But uh, I, I, I wondered though, how um, how the hell did they blow this thing up and pieces of it didn't rain down upon the earth? That's uh, it probably <laughs> did, but you know, I, we, we didn't see we didn't see where that was. Yeah, and I know that was all part of. You know, one of Easel Kant's great plans because he's always 19 steps ahead of the Federation. <laughs> even, so. even if 18 of those steps are vegan failures. Because I'm sure he even he even foresaw the Keo showing up in the uh, the H3. So, you know, that's how that's how he is. And, yeah, it is kind of funny to see uh, Z Hart come around and he's just like he was before, just sitting there brooding with his dumb mask, going full char all the time. So. And, and now slaughtering civilians on top of that. Yeah, yeah, now he's, uh, he's got the... He, he uh, went full vegan. Yeah, he went full vegan. So, a uh, pretty decent episode. I'd probably give it about a three or so. Um, maybe a three and a half. It, it, was, it, it was definitely a step up from the end of JH2. Um, so, but Chris... Well, this episode definitely, I think, got off to a faster start than uh, either the first episode of the series or the first episode of Gen 2. Mm-hmm. And we jump right into it. We got the Gundam debuting in this first episode where in age two, 
VH2 didn't show up until four episodes in, and you're building up this whole high school story with all these time skips and time skips, and here it's just, bam, one mm. brief scene in the beginning, quick time skip, right into the action. Yeah. Yep. So it was kind of uh, interesting seeing uh, this very sort of super robot aesthetic applied to this episode with, you know, um, Flit as the mad scientist grandpa inventing stuff. The look of some of these mobile suits, like the uh, the Danazines, the the Dragon Mechs, they're very very super robot-y. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the action was pretty neat, and uh, overall, it's just a decent episode in terms of starting out. I think now that it has the context of two generations behind it, it was easier to do this time skip to this generation than it was the initial transition from the first to second generation so they're able to get to the story a little bit faster with less exposition mm-hmm. yeah because you already know who all these characters are you already know what the situations are you already know about these mobile suits you already know all of the stuff that's happened for the last 28 episodes yeah so basically you know the, the whole backstory has been established and there's a rich history there that they can just um that liberates them to do i don't know if i'd say rich history rich. There's, a, there's a history there's there's, there's history there huh? oh. history there <laughs> Whether it's a rich history or a poor history is, I think, open to debate. Well, damn. <laughs> so, Keo's kind of interesting. Um, you know, he he pilots a Gundam that is very obviously based on the Double Zeta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's pretty well known that I'm not a fan of the Double Zeta because I think its design is big and clunky and stupid and uh, not just ugly in general, but especially ugly compared to the elegance of the Zeta Gundam's design. Yeah. So I think the H3 is a better Double Zeta than the Double Zeta. (laughs) (laughs) But yet in contrast to that, uh, Kyo as a character, he definitely seems a lot more like Uso than he does, say, you know, Judo. Judo, yeah. yeah. You know, because Judo was, you know, loudmouth junkyard kid, mm-hmm. and uh, Kyo's just sort of this average kid who grew up playing mobile suit simulators. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much like Uso. Very similar, indeed. And he's got his little, his little female friend, just like Uso had Shakti. And, and, and his cabal of, uh, of, 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 uh, of teeny boppers, at least in yeah, the first episode, anyway. And a horror. <laughs> yeah. So I'd give it a pretty solid three and a half. Not bad. It's Not bad. Stuff. Although uh, I think it's interesting that, you know, last time we were talking about um, sympathetic vegan characters and I said that uh, Zahart was okay, but even then he was still an easel can't freak. And now we see that taking to the next level that he's got no problem, um, you know, attacking civilians. Yep. Oh, yeah. In service <laughs> of his master's will. And uh, I think it's interesting that the vegans, they talk about building um, the earth into their Eden. So why are they wrecking all of these cities? I guess they got to the point where they they had to because I mean beforehand they were they were they were taking a, uh, a an approach with kid gloves with it, but now they entrenched their people. They spent time. yeah, but also info- the thing mm-hmm. the thing about these opening episodes is, especially in this episode, for the most part, they're specifically attacking civilians. You don't even see them yeah. attacking the base at Oliver Notes until the very end of the episode. That is true. We're introduced to the uh, the Clanchy squad of uh, of Sarek Abyss and his people. Yeah, they're killing people on the street. As, yeah, why, why are uh, they going around indiscriminately killing civilians? That's just pure terrorism. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not even, it's like they're not even focusing on military targets. It's like, how, how did, if you want to colonize Earth, why are you just, do you really intend to just wipe out every single human on Earth and then just take the planet for yourself? Because that's kind of how it looks. Yeah, hey, how, exactly how it looks. Looks pretty bad. <laughs> there was a lot of mother and mother and child and. 
Especially in episode 30. Oh, my yes. God. Whoa. The sacrifice has finally been made. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the, uh, for the segue, Solbro, because mm-hmm. episode 30, the city becomes a battlefield. Oh, shit. Oh, man. So we pick up where the last one left off with Zehart attacking uh, the age three, and he senses that, uh, that Flit's hanging out there, but he doesn't know who the other guy is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Flit is telling Keo to hold out until the diva shows up. And um, we meet an old pal of ours, good old Al Greyus, who now seems to be in the position that Flit was. Ooh, yeah. He's in charge in uh, Roche Roland, which is now the new headquarters since Big Ring got blown away. Mm-hmm. So one of the local guys there says, oh, this crazy old guy, he wants the diva, but I'm going to tell him to piss off, basically. <laughs> and of course, Al Greyus is like, no, you, you give if that's what he wants, he has a plan. Give it to him. Yep, absolutely. So uh, in classic uh, form... Out of pure spite, this commander, he staffs the diva with a bunch of misfits, <laughs> and he picks the most unqualified captain possible just to spite Flit. And uh, that captain is the unfortunately named Natora Anus. <laughs> <laughs> the irresponsible captain Natora Anus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Complete with oversized hat. Yes, so the diva gets sent out into battle, and uh, we see another old face because now its chief mechanic is Roddy Madorna. Hell yeah. Very convenient that he happens to be there. And uh, it comes down to more civilians being attacked, and Flitz says, uh, force the age system to make us a new weapon because we need it to defeat this. Mm-hmm. And uh, Which is rather interesting since we've never had that happen before. So that forces it to crap out the Blustia cannon, which is an attachment for the rifle that is supposed to be a miniature photon ring ray. Right. And they use it to blast Zehart's battleship, forcing him to retreat in defeat yet again. Pretty severe. So, Neo, your comments on this episode? Um, well, it's, uh, it's nice to see Algaris now has people making coffee for him instead of him making it for other people. <laughs> yes. That, that, was, that was cool to see. And, and you know, it was kind of interesting because I, I think back of, and I think all of us think back of um, when we saw him introduced in uh, age two, we, we thought that this guy was going to be the scumbag. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, he ends up being uh, basically Flit's right-hand man and, and successor in a, in a lot of ways. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, the uh, like we were talking earlier about the uh, the vegans just like uh, oh you know it's it's uh, civilian kill time and they're going to they're going at a pretty strong pace there so quite a bit of mother and child in this episode Ooh. too Ooh. And, and 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 father and child hell yes a, a new one for Gundam <laughs> <laughs> so we, we need to start marking that one father and child when we see father. it. Child, and instead of uh, soldier and child, we saw some police, police officers and child too. So you know, hey, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, very interesting. Um, you know, the the whole thing of uh, staffing the diva with a bunch of misfits. Like I think you know, one guy's too cool. You know, he's like the too cool guy. Then there's like kind of looks like the dumb. Uh, and the big dumb jock dude, and of course the the overweight guy who's the fat guy stuffing his face with pizza. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Really? I mean, even people that are—is that what everyone thinks overweight people do? They just sit there and stuff their face, or you know, every minute of the day. 
I guess uh, pizza is the new Bright Burgers. Yeah, and I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that, I mean, pizza though, wouldn't that get the console greasy? I guess he doesn't matter. Gets some wet apps. <laughs> he comes equipped. He's got space naps. Yeah, and good old Captain Anus, huh? Um, wow. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to talk about this a little bit later because, um, yeah, I understand her, uh, the way she acts in this, this episode because, yeah, she was the last person that thinks she was going to get command of something. <laughs> but, um, man, uh, I just don't under. I guess what they chose her because uh, her father was a great admiral. So Her grandfather. Guess, her grandfather. So that's going to translate down. A, a great admiral who we've never even heard of in the series before. Now, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was Which, wondering. I was going to ask you guys if if, if she was uh, connected to someone that I should know from a previous series, she, but I guess she not. Should have been, but uh, apparently not. I mean, yeah, that would require admiral anus. <laughs> I, I would have remembered if they had an admiral anus. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess they, I guess they thought maybe this would be like uh, you know the the, the people playing Sunrise thought that. We, they could sneak this in, like, um, you know, uh, with Flit and Keo, like, you know, the talent skips a generation. <laughs> so, <laughs> goes to the next one. But, yeah, uh, this is um, kind of interesting. Uh, the, the battles are pretty good. Uh, we get to see Keo going with his X-Rounder, um, his X-Rounder-ness. And, of course, Seahart, like you said, was he felt Flit, but he, he was trying to figure out who... Um, uh, you know, Keo was, and I'm, I'm sure probably the first thing that crossed his mind, oh, this must be awesome, but no, he's off doing whatever. No, it wouldn't, wouldn't be this chump because it's an X rounder. That's But yeah, I mean, um, and we get to see the, uh, the, the new bunch of uh, uh, mobile suit grunts, so that was uh, pretty cool too. But yeah, pretty solid episode. Uh, definitely picks up the pace from episode the previous episode i'd give it about a three and a half or so it's um you know definitely i felt a little bit more solid a little little tighter than the uh the previous episode so mm-hmm. all right so bro I, I gotta say my favorite scene this episode besides the fighting was probably when uh natora found out that she was getting the uh the the captain's position of the of the <laughs> Of the diva and her reaction you know it's like the opposite of what you would expect for a, a person who you know is in the military you, you, you don't expect them to to be very reticent on taking a command post like that but yet, that she was because she she lacks any confidence and i think that makes her an interesting character uh, I, and and sets her up for a huge development arc um as the series goes along um right hey, now hey, of course hey, hey Sobro, i'm gonna mm-hmm. let you finish right but i got some breaking news for you from the hulu desk oh oh go ahead oh my gosh Wait. We, we might have, we might have to stop the show right now just for this all right go ahead are you sitting down i'm sitting down stand up and then sit down again all right i'm standing up okay and now sit down all right i'm down okay roku hd box and six months of hulu plus for 79 dollars wow wow that's it, folks. Show's over. No more. Oh gun man, kids. close Someone's it down. Got to order himself a HD box. It's a plus. I quit. We've we've never had a uh, breaking news in a in a segment before. First time for everything. Oh man. Gosh. Man, hold. Stop the presses. Stop them. Are you there you go, folks. If you have a Sobro in your family, mm-hmm. Roku HD box and Hulu Plus for $80. Go get it. Done deal. Done deal. But uh, <laughs> do, 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 do you need a minute to collect yourself, Sobro? No, no, I'm good. Back to Miss Anus. <laughs> 
That's no, Captain she, Anus. Ca- Captain Anus. That's right. The, the irresponsible Captain Anus. There you go. Um, no, she's uh, I, I, I think she's someone to watch. And um, although her, her, uh, her, uns- I forget what you want to call it, but her, her shakiness right now, it, it's going to be neat to see her change. And also, it was awesome to see the diva launching and um, Rhodey being the uh, the chief, uh, the chief mechanic on board. Um, and also you see a little bit of a, a special character that we'll get into in the next episode, uh, pretty much moving around in the background. Uh, <laughs> Shuffling around like a snake or some kind of vermin. Hiding in the shadow of Rhodey, you know, uh, riding his, uh, his jock and everything. <laughs> Literally. But let's, let, yep. a time and a place, so bro. Time, time and a place. place. Time and a place. But yeah, it was, it was great to see the diva launch again. Also, um, I believe that, uh, Albright makes an appearance in this episode. Yes. Um, Albright from, uh, Generation 2. He was one of the, uh, one of the squadron pilots uh, in uh, in the Wolf Squadron. Uh, now he's last... a bitter old man. Now he's a bitter old man, a lonely love man. Is, love, love is over. Man, still still pining for Remy and her 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 dead self. But hey, uh, what can you do? His his hair his hair is not so red anymore. But uh, he that's definitely uh, but that haircut kind of still. The penis. He's got yeah. the penis haircut. <laughs> yeah, you stole it from me, damn you, Chris. <laughs> Still looks like a dickhead, though. <laughs> a little, <Badoosh>. He's going. <laughs> we're all weak. His 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 head is a little bell ended. <laughs> what can you do? But no, it was a fun episode uh, and a lot of action. Uh, finally, Zahart you know took Keo on, and um, they got to sample each other's uh, fighting ability. So it'll be interesting to see how they they go toe to toe this season. But uh, for the most part, I'd give the episode three three and a half stars as well. Okay. Um definitely a highlight for me in this episode was seeing the diva launch and seeing that uh, the old ship still got some life in her mm-hmm. you know because uh, it, it's always this thing of you know when, whenever there's some old ship that has had a a sort of long history then it's like oh that's one old ship when's what difference will that ship make you know <laughs> well you know the the enterprise and the yamato they they might have something to say about that oh yeah <laughs> and the battlestar galactica and the Galactica well, too. Hell yeah! You, you know what makes it kind of funny is like you know they they talk about it being an old ship, but they sure in the hell kept it in peak performance. <laughs> you know, <laughs> keep keep yeah. fighting potential because yeah. it is. It I still mean, looks just as spotless as yeah. it did in in the first episode. That yeah. paint job is that paint job is still crisp. Because <laughs> the way they made it sound, it was just like rotten in the the in the uh, stock or the uh, shipyards. It's like. Yeah, it's, it seems to be okay. <laughs> Someone's putting some love into that ship, man, for real. It's, it's, uh, it's, it still looks like it's brand new. So one thing that was a problem for me in this episode was uh, this whole thing of Flit forcing the age system to make a new weapon, mm-hmm. especially since that's something that we've not seen before now because we've been told, like, oh, there's not enough data for it to make a weapon when now he's like oh just change the settings and force it to make something <laughs> why did you sort do of that like, before yeah well it's not even that it's like as i said in my review it's sort of like he was asking for a deus ex machina to come and help him which is pretty much exactly what happened yeah wow. like we need a deus ex machina to be built to come help us <laughs> even more so than in the past when you've had the new wear parts made it's like he literally says so yeah in almost that many words it's very blatant. <laughs> like, how do you force it to make something if there's not enough data? Like, what what would it make? How did it? How is it that with no data at all, it just happened to make uh, this little handy attachment that just blasted Zahart's ship? 
maybe it'll lead to a backfire later on if they keep doing that. I mean, who knows? It, it's out of character for for them to do that with the age system when it usually works on autopilot. That uh, that was kind of weird. Also, this episode just further proves what a horrible commander Zahart is. Ooh, because <laughs> he literally does nothing when that part gets shot out. He does nothing to stop the H three. He lets his own red battleship get destroyed, and he's hmm. sent running off with his tail between his legs. I mean, this guy is just the worst commander I have ever seen in Gundam, practically. <laughs> And yet, Easel Kent just keeps putting so much faith in him and so much under his command when he's shown time and time again that he's completely inadequate as anything more than just a pilot. But remember, with Easel Kent, he knows that his inadequacies, he's planned for that. Yes, my plan accounts for your failures. Yes. (laughs) My plan is your failures. Who's this guy? Who's this guy? Lelouch? So, no. Don't insult Lelouch by calling. I put Diesel the same thing. Um, uh, So you're saying that Z-Hart's a worse commander than even Fats Goodman? Oh, don't say that. Yes. (laughs) What? Wow. (laughs) Ouch. God, Fats Fats has actually gone off from the bottom. Fats uh, Goodman actually got to accomplish some stuff. Like, he he blasted... uh, (laughs) He did some you damage. Know, he, he blasted one of the orbital elevators. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he did. Uh, he blew up some other stuff. So Fats Goodman got to do some. What has Zehart accomplished? Every single thing that he's done has been a failure. Woo. He, yeah, he hasn't won any battle, has he? But he and just gets patted on the back by Ezo Kent. Yeah. like, don't worry. Your, your failure has been accounted for. You, you succeeded <laughs> even though you failed. Yeah, and, and I planned for this contingency. So, uh, you know, I'm Ezo Kent. There's some horse strews coming out here today. Or easel cans next election. I'm the only candidate. <laughs> oh my god. Oh uh, yeah, it's. I mean, just, I don't. He, he I don't know step who's shit up. It's record. I mean, he's got one of the worst like battle records ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as a plus, I do like some of the new characters, uh, including uh, this guy Sarek Abyss, who is sort of yeah. like the MS commander for this generation, and. Uh, I think he's actually a really cool guy because yeah. he has this nickname of the Holmes of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And he has a very Sherlock Holmes way of thinking um, that we see multiple times on display. For example, in this episode, he walks by Natora and um, he calls her captain. She ignores him at first because she's not used to being captain. But mm-hmm. instantly he's sizing her up. He's like, hmm, your hat is crooked, which means that uh, you're not familiar with how to wear a captain's uniform Hell and yeah. uh, your scarf is too tight, which means that you're nervous because you feel that you're not uh, suited for this position and you're inexperienced. Am I right? And she's like, damn, man, look at this guy. He's freaking, he is Sherlock Holmes, man. So he's like a, he's like a laser pinpoint analytical. He picks up on lots of stuff, but not just stuff like that. Like you see in the course of the episodes, also in battle, he picks up on a lot of stuff really fast. Yep. Yeah, he's, he's the first of the mobile suit grunts that we see that's actually got skills. Like, all these, uh, you know, the last two generations, they've all been losers. I mean, well, he's a team leader. Wolf, Wolf was solid, Wolf, but Wolf I mean, wasn't a loser. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I didn't consider him, but Wolf was in a different, he was in a different mobile suit, you know. Yeah, he, he wasn't, was he was in the, the grunt, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, this, guy's also, this guy has a custom mobile suit, so that makes him yeah. higher than grunt level. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he's he's yeah, I, I like him, and I I like that we see that we actually have a competent uh, leader um, and actual pilot outside of uh, whatever uh, Asano is in the 
in the Gundam. <laughs> and he looks like he's straight from the 70s. That's the best part. <laughs> well, he's carrying the tradition of, of dude in this show wearing a pair of like yellow glasses. Yep, yeah, somebody's got to wear them. Someone in, <laughs> someone in the cast has got to rock them at one point. <laughs> Someone's got to clock a group on those glasses. <laughs> the blue blockers. <laughs> I wonder if they're. I wonder if they're actually a Grodex personal pair. They gave them to him. He's like, mm-hmm. Dude, you're, you're good. You're a good pilot. You need these. Uh, Got to keep up the tradition. So I would give it a, a pretty solid three and a half for being enjoyable despite some stupidity, which has kind of be par for the course with age. Mm-hmm. Just blame so, it on the vegans. Yes, <laughs> that brings us to episode thirty-one, Terror: The Ghosts of the Desert. Oh boy. Oh boy. So in this episode, the diva is heading from Canada down to Roast Roland, the Federation's new headquarters, which, hey, guys, you want to guess which continent this, this place is at? Central America? No. Oh, South America? Antarctica? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say South, South, South America, right? You, you are correct. Oh, my gosh, man. Probably well, did right they around fly, where... Did they fly over the California base, too? <laughs> <laughs> no. So uh, this is uh, not, not quite Brazil, but, but almost there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an underground base. Mm. Wonder where we've seen that before. Oh man! <laughs> so uh, the diva is flying low to avoid enemy contact, but they start getting attacked by these um, little unmanned drones, mm-hmm. and um, they're forced to hide out and uh, do repairs. And uh, Keo is introduced to Roddy along with a certain young chap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a young chap uh, by the name of uh, Wootbit Gunhale. Oh, oh man. Who um, is very crotchety, and he's all on the balls of Roddy and uh, is just totally butthurt and angry at Keo before <laughs> Keo's ever even said a word to him or done anything and um, goes so far as to, like, knock this guy down and bitch at him when he tries to uh, to talk to this kid. He's the, which, mm-hmm. for all of that alone, I think already makes mm-hmm. him uh, Sobro's man for this generation. Wow, I never knew that uh, a Sobro's man could be the classic example of the player hater. <laughs> but there's there are multiple reasons why he's Sobro's man, and this mm-hmm. is a Gundam first. Oh, a lot of it's hereditary, right? <laughs> yes. The fact that number one, he looks exactly like his grandfather. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Number two, he's voiced by the same guy who did his grandfather's kid voice in Generation 1. Oh, so it man. brings back all the memories <laughs> and all of the, uh, the crapped out uh, underwear. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gundam listeners, this is a, a first for Gundam in a hundred and something episodes. The first time we've had two Sobros men come from the same show and be of the same family the same lineage <laughs> it's just the lineage of failure <laughs> from the hall of gun hail <laughs> yes it's, it's it's definitely a bloodline you want stopped <laughs> generational fail <sighs> so these three desert guys, they attack. They're, they're the Vagan Phantom 3 team, and they're in mm. these, uh, for a first in time in Gundam, sand mobile suits. Yep. Now, we've seen desert comet before in Gundam, but we've never seen uh, mobile suits that uh, are designed to move through the sand as though it were water. Mm. So that's kind of yeah. a neat thing to see. Yeah. And, um, you know, these guys, basically, they're like the Black Tri-Star. They've got their, their fancy little attack. 
mm-hmm. which is to spin around in the sand fast enough to make this sort of sandstorm out of nowhere. And Keo and Flit are trapped there. So uh, some new parts come out, and Woodbit is forced to deliver them. Oh, and oh, he's boy. Th- we've seen this before in a Soul Bros, man. So it's like, <laughs> not only hereditary, he's actually, he's sharing, a, he's actually sharing a trait of Ooh, the, the progenitor. The yeah. <laughs> Like he's a he's a he's a little pussy and he's a delivery boy. Oh god, I hate y'all. Hey, and, and he's got a ridiculous man crush. Ooh. Remember this, Soul Bro. For mm-hmm. as long as this show runs, mm-hmm. you only have yourself to blame for King Arthur. No and doubt, all that has come forth since then. No doubt, we planted that seed way early. No, you planted that seed. <laughs> Yeah, I did not, indeed. It's not we, it's you. Hey, hey. If you had just never said those two words of King <laughs> Arthur all those years ago, <laughs> we would never be at this point. Ooh, and and in subsequent uh, episodes, try to reinforce your proclamation. Yeah, he's going to do something. <laughs> you know, the Saji Crossroad, he's on the yeah, come up. He's going to do something. All right. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, he delivers the new parts, which uh, turns into the Age 3 Fortress, which basically um, has like fancy hover equipment and four Sigmasis cannons because mm. one rifle just wasn't enough. No. <laughs> Not by far. <laughs> and so- uh, Keo using some uh, lessons that he learned from the hot female pilot Shanalua. He uh, he blasts one of the um, Phantom Three guys and sends the other two running off, all pissed off. Ortega, <laughs> Ortega, <laughs> <laughs> almost, but not quite. <laughs> oh, I hope I hope if they bring this. Well, I was gonna say I hope if they bring this show over in English, but we know that won't happen. Uh, <laughs> hey, it could happen. You know, if tsunami is huge, it'll bring Gundam back to life because Bandai will come back into the business, right? Who boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't get the hopes up please <laughs> i mean tsunami got like you know like 50 percent percentile rating last week right oh is snap. that what it, is that what it got no <laughs> oh. anyway uh mm-hmm. sobro your comments on episode 31 wow it was uh it was i i love the fact that uh, it took place in the desert it's been a while since we've even had a uh, a bit of desert action god i was trying to think uh there was a few times in Double O, and of course in the uh, opening more, arc more, of uh, more quite a bit in Double O. Yeah, <laughs> quite a quite a bit in Double O, and uh, in the opening opening arc of uh, of Seed. Because don't know. you don't you remember uh, the classic fail of the uh, of uh, King Arthur when he led him back to the oh, yeah. other desert base? <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> the slaughter was had by all. Oh man, the slaughter. <laughs> Oops. Somebody, somebody <laughs> upped up. <laughs> somebody, yeah, certain man, certain certain anyway, guy that would go nameless. But uh, <laughs> that that is there, and this is here. But yeah, the Sandy TriStars, man, they were they were they were, uh, they were they're definitely colorful guys, and um, I, I I did I did dig that they had that Tremor style technology where they could just travel under 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 the sand with no with no problems at all, and then call. Where, where's uh, Kevin Bacon when you need him? Yeah, so like somebody <laughs> call Kevin. <laughs> Tell tell Keo what to do. It's like stand on some rocks, dude. <laughs> Which the the ship did. They landed the ship on uh, I guess a rocky uh, pl- uh, a, a rocky landing somewhere so that they could repair it when they did initially did damage. So you know at least that saved them from getting attacked. That sounds like um, a new pilot. Time. Rocky landing. A rocky landing. <laughs> <laughs> or a porn star. <laughs> or a wrestler. 
interchangeable. <laughs> or a a wrestling porn star, or a wrestler turned porn star. I'll, I'll tell you. Rope. I'll tell you what though. You wouldn't want your uh, the pilot of your of your plane flight as uh, Captain Rocket Rocky Rocky landed. landed. <laughs> All right, this is uh, Captain Rocket Landings. Uh, we're on a five-hour flight today, and uh, thank you. When's for coming out in Southwest? Begin so off that plane, thirty thousand feet, and <laughs> we just sit back. Uh, and... If you're Kevin Smith, uh, get off the plane. You got bathroom. <laughs> at an altitude of thirty thousand feet. We will not be giving you any soda, and you cannot use the bathroom. <laughs> we're flying Southwest Airlines. That sounds like an amazing flight. <laughs> But um, I just moving further, um, it's Shauna Lua. Uh, it, we finally got to get a little insight on her, and um, we saw her a little bit at the end of the second episode. Uh, the second episode, but uh, well, she was in the first she, episode too. She, she was, yeah. but I mean, she she was she, she got to give uh, Keo a little a few pointers at the end of the second episode, and more so in this one. And you know, was showing him, you know, the, just just telling him to work as a team with the. Uh, with with the squadron so that you know you can benefit and and watch each other's backs during battle she gave him really solid advice but and that real life is not a video game that you no. can't just keep attacking constantly and you know defeating an enemy means nothing if you get killed exactly don't and, stop pressing a <laughs> <laughs> yeah. basically, basically setting things up for hard lessons of mobile suit warfare that will be coming up soon but um you know he uh, keo has an attachment to her now she is a big sister to him and uh, it's it's good to see him have that connection and you know no, i don't off. think it, i don't think it's a big sister i think it's uh you know it's like a lesson after your stepsister or something like that with him <laughs> maybe so yeah maybe or, so, or right? more a little bit in, of, little, in, inappropriate mm-hmm. teacher relationship yeah I got a little bit of an Emma vibe from her, but uh, you know, you would, wouldn't you? I would because I'm a sucker for that. But um, I, and on top of that, she's voiced by Romy Paku, so you know, I, I'm already. As soon as she opened her mouth and said the first syllable, I was like, oh shit, that's that's Romy, man. I'm, I'm already on board with this broad. But um, yeah, she was she was interesting to be introduced to as part of the uh, as part of the uh, the squadron. Uh, but we got to talk about Whoopit for a minute, man. The backseat driver, this guy, um, the the dick rider of. Ro- of uh, <laughs> Yes, he is a dick rider. <laughs> he is, man. He got the whiff of uh... a. <laughs> well, he's, he's he's an angry dick rider. <laughs> he is. I mean, and just the way they introduce him and how he's just just hating, just chewing his um, just gritting his teeth anywhere he's around Keo when uh, Keo is talking to Rhodey, as if he's not like you know on hands and knees talking to Rhodey. Uh, like, how yeah. dare you talk to him like that? Like, what? Like, hi? How dare nice you to address meet you? him in that familiar tone? I said, what the hell's wrong with you? I don't and care I just... about the Asunos. You're not awesome. Exactly. <laughs> You're just not awesome, oh. Just, just to have him come off so differently than, than DK was really neat to see, you know, because DK was a pretty friendly guy. And or or the opposite scary. also of his mom. Yeah, his, his mom was yeah. even, even more friendly. Um, you know, he just came off as, as, as just, just a butthurt loser. A butthurt and stuck up. And, you know, eventually they, he warmed up to Keo at the end of the episode, but. You yeah, know, you know what? That's it. He's done. He's done. <laughs> once the just the way he acted, one strike. That's it. <laughs> no, other, no second chances. No, I mean the fact that he is like so blatantly hostile to this kid and yeah. it's just seething with rage yeah. when the, before this kid's even said a word, like and he just like get away from me and he knocks him down. It's like what the hell is your freaking problem, you little bastard? The kid, the kid that's saving your ass. Mm-hmm. You know, the kid that's out there, you know, repelling the attacks and everything. Thing. And yeah, I just love the fact that Keo just uh, he's, he doesn't even notice that this guy yeah. is all. He's like, butt. hey, you know what? You respect <laughs> like, Roddy. Hey, I respect like, my he- grandpa. He's really awesome. You should meet him. It's, it's like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck, man. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> 
yeah, Daffy um, Duck is actually likable. He is likable. Um, uh, but Whoop it's got a ways to go. But no, uh, he's done. He's, my book is done. <laughs> I don't care. If later, he said, "Hey, you're not so bad. I see how war is now. Let's be friends." No, you've that's already, it. You've already written about the show. <laughs> Hey, it's like the saying goes: you, you you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Well, you I, made it. Go ahead. I, I'm just sitting there and I'm like, why? Why is this guy all crazy? Like it, it, it was just like you know, it was almost like he was a jealous girlfriend. I mean, it's yeah, exactly of. what he was because he's just sitting there. Because and- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kale, Kale's the nicest guy. It's not like he's a dick like Amaro. He's like the nicest kid, and um, Whoopit is just he's a not even, play he's not even full of himself like his dad. Because yeah, Asuna was a you know he was he was full of himself. This kid just was walking up. He's like, hey, I'm Keo. You know, I pilot the Gundam. You know, can you give me any tips? And he's like, oh yeah. <laughs> He's just oh, happy. To- <laughs> I hate you so much. I'm gonna crap my pants. Oh. He's, oh, he's just he- happy to be there, man. He was, he was. He came off like the the Biff Tannen to uh <laughs> to to, to, to Kiel's joy. Insulting Biff Tannen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we're talking about this stupid kid oh, yeah. way more than I ever oh, yeah. wanted to. Woop, so let's. Woop. Whoop it though. Uh, Where the it, hell were we on this episode? Just, 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 just to sum that up. Whoop it finally, you know, he had a change of heart when he, uh, when he was in the backseat of the age three and change finally, of underwear. You know, yeah, and the change <laughs> cool. of underwear cool. indeed. But yeah, it was a great episode. Uh, I, I've got to give it, I've got to give it about a three, a three and a half as well. All right, uh, Neil. Yeah, I'd give it about a three and a half because <laughs> I need to move on because of whoop it, man. Uh, <laughs> I hope he dies. Oh, ouch. Next episode, Chris. <laughs> uh, I, I was not as impressed. Uh, the whole thing of, you know, oh, we're in the desert again. All that was neat seeing a desert swimming suit. The whole, like, three guys with a special attack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that before. Uh, the stupidity of Wootbit. Um, Shana Lua's very odd reaction to Keo at the end, which will lead us into our next episode and gets explained mm-hmm. there, or gets spoiled for you if you watch the preview for the next episode. No doubt. <laughs> the title of the next episode, indeed. <laughs> so, I gave this one uh, a three. Hmm. I yeah, can understand why. I mean, there's a lot of tropes that just got redone in this episode, and uh, it's just no, not new terror. there was no new territory covered, basically. Yeah. And of course, at the end, you know, you have these two remaining losers vowing revenge. Like, uh, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> like, oh, you, it's not going to work out for you guys. You should just take your losses and go home. Yeah, it's like see uh, uh, examples: Mashima, Black Tri Stars. <laughs> yeah, this stuff just doesn't work when you're going to go avenge your your buddy that see, got killed see, in battle. See Jared Mesa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, page four hundred and forty-two of the Gundam Bible. Loser villain. So that brings <laughs> us to the last episode we're discussing today, episode thirty-two, the Tweta. Oh, so who 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 could that be? Hmm, we'll see. So first, <laughs> we uh, we see in space this new vegan fat guy named Zanald Behart. Oh shit! Who is like this morbidly obese dude with this completely ridiculous full face mask that looks like some kind of like rooster head. <laughs> That's a level five design showing. <laughs> yeah. So he gets uh, gets a little message uh, from their operative that uh, she's found a, uh, a castle in the jungle. Mm. Not a castle in the sky? No, not a castle in the sky. <laughs> that would have been more interesting. Laputa. <laughs> that, that would have been more amusing, I think. But no, alas. 
So on the diva, Flit is giving some uh, some captain lessons to Natora. Mm-hmm. And they get interrupted by one of the little bridge guys with news of, hey, we have someone sending out secret information to the Vagans disguised as normal communications. Is it Miharu? <laughs> yes, it's Miharu. <laughs> <laughs> oh, almost. Oh, man. O- almost. Uh, shock, it's Shanalua. Oh, no. Better watch out. You don't want a plane coming in from the Fishing Federation. Yes. <laughs> don't say much because they'll recognize your Xeon accent. Don't let him use the bathroom. <laughs> you see on accent? <laughs> wow, did, did, did somebody recently rewatch MSG, I wonder? <laughs> so anyway, uh, they completely fail to lock down the ship, and she manages to escape just as they're about to uh, join this battle at Roast Roland, where uh, the secret base is now being attacked by the Vagans, because guess what? Shanalua leaked its location to the Vagans. Ooh. So... Keo is uh, not convinced that she's a spy, so he violates orders, and he chases after her. Mm-hmm. And he catches up to her, and she's telling him, like, you know, back off, and, you know, you don't understand what war is like, yada, yada. And we find out her sad story, which uh, is the most generic, cliched piece of garbage ever. Oh, damn. <laughs> so we already knew from the last episode that she had a sick younger sister. Mm-hmm. So we find out that she became a vegan spy and met with one of their generic black robed guys because that's not at all, uh, you know, (laughs) (laughs) see these like these dukes like in the age world. Every time you see someone in like black monk robes, it's always a vegan. (laughs) Why would you need to disguise yourself in that? Why just not wear regular street clothes? So he gives her literally a pouch full of, of Mario coins. That bag of coins, man. <laughs> that like a bag of coins from a, a generic RPG. Golden. <laughs> well, those, those are the gold, gold coins that Glenn Beck hawks. So. Oh, my yes. God. That's possibly. Interesting gold. Because, <laughs> you know, once, once uh, Armageddon comes, that'll be the only thing worth the value. <laughs> it, 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 just shows, it just goes to show how unsubtle the show is. It's just not subtle at all. The, the cloaked... The cloak miscreant, the the yeah. bag of bag coins. of gold. It's like I I could see if they were trying to go for like sort of a Judas reference, but come mm-hmm. on, this is the far future, and you got a bag of Mario coins. <laughs> you got to slitter like a card with credits just on it or some a shit like that. Visa card or something. <laughs> like no, let's just go to the old cliche of literally the the bag of gold coins with the weight of your betrayal. Yeah. <laughs> in in this far future, you know, world where. Clearly, they don't even use paper money anymore. Yes. <laughs> Why would they have gold coins? <laughs> I guess gold still holds its value. <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah, according to Space Glenn Beck and Space Ron Paul, I guess. No doubt. No. <laughs> and and I guess apparently uh, the Federation has really bad healthcare plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is up with that? Now, now, now Neo, uh, maybe you can give us some some expert advice here. Now, if you are a soldier working for the U.S. military, does that not put, like, your immediate family on, like, a government health plan? Uh, I don't know about them, but I believe so. I mean, if I had the same situation, I'm not a soldier, but I'm in the same yeah. department. Yeah, it's if my sister or somebody like that, you, you can you can, you can can add them on. Yeah, and as in with most private businesses, you can put your family members on your insurance. So yeah. <laughs> apparently the Federation in the future has really, really bad health plans yeah. such that their pilots have to betray 
their world to get Mario coins to pay for the health care for their ailing little sibling. And what doctor's taking Mario coins? I mean, is it <laughs> Dr. <too>. Mario? <laughs> I don't think he has a medical degree. I wouldn't trust him. He's very shady looking. <laughs> he, 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 he examines me with a pipe wrench. It's like he does everything with How a pipe I wrench. How am I going to treat your little sister? <laughs> oh, my God. How do you feel today? Yeah. Use this mushroom. It fixes all the problems. <laughs> I say two mushrooms and call me in the morning. If, if growth continue after four hours, then go to hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Don't yeah. take a bad mushroom. It is a pretty doo-doo uh, explanation of why she... Uh, I mean, at least with, like, Miharu, it made sense. They were, like, in war-torn, you know, they were basically war orphans. But, yeah, yes. here it's like... What? Yeah. So as this battle continues, uh, Zehart and his dudes are attacking with uh, their underwater mobile suits, which are basically just water versions of the sand suits we saw the last time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And of course, he's got one painted red. Of course. So in the meantime, uh, this one guy decides to attack the Gundam for an easy kill. And lo and behold, it's the same guy who was in the black robe who paid Shanalua with the Mario coins. Who knew? <laughs> in double and uh, Keo is so shocked by uh, what's going on that he doesn't move when he gets attacked, which leaves her to fight this guy. And they both kill each other. Yeah. <laughs> With her having a very sad death, telling him to live on and be strong for the future, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And then at the end, uh, Zehart's guys, they infiltrate the base with suits that um, appear to have been shot down, but actually have bombs hidden inside of them. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Dun, dun, We got it. We're going to have a three for one next episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's time to nukify Jaburo. I mean, Rostralulum. So, Neil, your thoughts on episode 32? Uh, This is a crazy episode because it was just, like you said, I mean, you try not to be nitpicky about crap like this, but it is such a generic reason to betray everybody. And, I mean, it just is. It's so stupid. If anything, what would have actually made a bit more sense was if they had kidnapped her sister and were holding her hostage and to kill her. That's yeah. also cliche, but it would have been a little bit more believable than, oh, I've got a poor sister and I can't afford to get help for her and the Federation doesn't give any help. <laughs> it, I it, know. It would have been even more interesting if they made her like you know a very young vegan that came to Earth years ago and, you know, she... she she, she was with well, you know that's mankind, too much and then when a, development for this show that would have that would have made more sense to me to do it do it that way, and then you know she was put in a seating position to be you know in the federation so that she can eventually betray them and leak information, and then you know the 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 fates twist, and then she's got to betray her uh, her people. But you know it's that that would have made more sense to me. But what whatever. Yeah, I mean anything would have been better than just oh I got a sick little sister. Yeah, and and this whole thing of. Uh, shooting you know acting like this easel camp man uh, okay we're gonna make our suits look like they're gonna get shot down and we're gonna plant bombs in them and you know you'll infiltrate and all this stuff oh my god it's just you just get to a point and you know the the whole thing of seeing her die is it, it kind of sucks because she was an actually kind of an interesting you know 
uh, character and mm-hmm. one of the few times we've actually had a competent female pilot <laughs> and, especially in this series because yeah. where's the justice in that someone who is completely useless like orissa yeah lives lives through the entire arc damn <laughs> but we have a competent skilled pilot like shanalua who um you know gets off in four episodes and i can see what they were trying to do they mm-hmm. basically made her um sort of a combination of matilda and and miharu yeah right they made her like the the miharu for um Kyo that shows him that war is not just a video game and that there are mm-hmm. consequences but and that's fine but to do it so early on after she's only been in for barely four episodes and to do it in such a stupidly cliche way yeah i think this really drags ha- down this episode the, her death should have happened halfway through the series i think then you had time to get adjusted to her and they could have, they could have, they could have developed her character a whole lot more in regards to why she'd have to betray them and all that stuff but maybe they have other things planned for that 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 point in time but i i think she could have stuck around a whole lot longer and and the weight of her death would have been a lot a, just a lot more uh, significant if if they had waited to do that not only that, but, you know, virtually nothing is accomplished in this episode. Yeah. And you've got, how is it that she was able even to launch? You know, why isn't that immediately after uh, this guy announces that Shanalu was the traitor, they didn't completely lock down the ship, put out yeah. the loudspeaker, Shanalu was a traitor, arrest her on site, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> send some MPs to grab her. Instead, it's like, uh, hey, mechanics, could you just, um, you know, like, check out her mobile suit some more for no particular reason? And yet she slipped by anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... what kind of what kind of security is that? Seriously. <laughs> well, I mean, we have to remember. This is almost as bad as the AU with with cats always stealing stuff. <laughs> well, but you have to remember though, uh, Whoopit. You know, he is the he is the spawn, or he is re- related from DK. And remember, DK and the uh, helmet. You know, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whoopit probably left the keys in the in in their mobile suit for. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I already oh, left hey. them charged and turned on for you guys. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> here's your helmet and everything. But, Why are you walking around all shifty looking? But anyway, yeah. here's your stuff. And and, <laughs> and I think I think you really hit it on the head, Chris. This was an episode that for something where you know the, the previous episodes preview made it seem like this is going to be a real heart you know tugging and important episode not a lot of not a lot happens in this episode I yeah mean. this is supposed to be the jabro of age but really yeah. nothing happens we just see just a few scattered scenes of grunts getting blown up and most of it is just on this really dumb situation and on top of that the situation was completely spoiled by the preview <laughs> and like, the title yeah you knew <laughs> you knew that shanalua was um acting weird and then she had the sick little sister then you see this preview which shows a shot of her clenchy pointing its rifle mm-hmm. at uh at keo and the episode title the traitor and they're showing her like gee could this not be any more obvious and ruin the entire suspense of it they, they should have just called it Shanalulu is a traitor. <laughs> Shanalulu, the death of Shanalulu the traitor. Yes. This, show, this show is anything but subtle. I- <laughs> well, these episode titles are anything Ooh, but subtle. No but, doubt. Uh, I'd, I'd have to, I think of, of the ones that we've uh, done today, this is the worst one. And I, I think it's probably about a two and a half in my think. is It's just, you know, once again, it's just one of those things where 
stuff goes on, but it just doesn't do anything with the story or any, or it's just stuff that's not even really important. So, so bro, you're you're rating for this episode. Well, um, just just to just to point out a few things. Um, I, I yeah, I, I gotta agree with Paul. Um, it it, it wasn't ex- executed as well as it could have been, and um, I, I think they could have milked a little bit more life out of this storyline uh, later on in the show. Um, it was cool to see uh, Flick coaching uh, Captain Anus. <laughs> <laughs> she's so she's such a mess. Um, Keo defies orders like his <laughs> Captain Anus is a mess. <laughs> Keo defies orders just like his old man. <laughs> it, was, it was good to see a little consistency there with uh, Keo uh, uh, carrying the tradition that awesome um, bull, uh, bull, bullheadedly did in uh, season two. And um, the Bernard Wiseman Award goes to that bribing vegan killed by Shauna Lua. Man, he was uh, he was turned to hamburger most definitely. <laughs> It was a neat little send-up to uh, to 0080, the way they, they, they took out each other. Because they're, they're almost in the exact same poses. Uh, their mobile suits were when uh, when they killed each other. So it was it was, it was was pretty cool to see that. But other than that, I'd give the episode three stars. Wow, that's right. generous. For, for being uh, just a real mess writing-wise and being probably, I think, uh, just the worst episode so far. Even worse than Fardane. Ooh. That at least had some developments going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll give this one two and a half woot bits. Oh. <laughs> two and a half woot bits, huh? Yeah. Two and a half diapers full. <laughs> yes. Two and a half DK diapers. There you go. Uh, Dripping. Yeah. Hey, hey uh, guys. What? You know what? What's up? Mm. Space pirates are awesome. Oh, man. Oh, but we're not talking about that today. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, oh, or <laughs> too bad. Oh well. So anyway, that wraps up this discussion of age twenty-nine to thirty-two, kicking off the third generation. So uh, probably in a couple episodes, we'll have some thoughts on the next batch of four, and we'll be taking a quick break. You're listening to Gundam at MH. Spill it, or we take you out in the alley and we knock it out of you. You needed the money, so you killed her. That's not true, goddammit! Ready. That's going to be at East Coast Throwdown, along with a bigger throwdown. We had talked about Fnatic just a moment ago. He's going to be going up against, I guess, the second best Magneto player in the country, according to Yipes. First of all, your Magneto can stay. Oh, is it? Yeah. I got a question real quick. I got a question real quick. Can you beat anybody that's good in this game, bro? Can you even finish your combos? Can I finish my combos? Have you seen me play recently? You probably yeah, saw everything. Yeah, yeah, all right. I drop everything. So let's see what, how much combos. What happened I with a nomad night? What happened with a nomad? Let's see how much combos I drop when we play. That's it. Okay, yeah. We are gonna see how much money you drop into my bank account. That's what we really gonna see. The money comes on the line. You better recognize who you're talking to. You can think you got the best, whatever you want to. But I tell you what, I got the best. I'm gonna have the best pocketbook when I'm done taking the money from you and every last 
one of your homeboys that believe in you blindly. And you don't walk away from this thing. Well, it's all right. I still got a better Magneto. And I'm going to say, yeah, your better Magneto got body. So I'm my better fundamental. I got a better Magneto, better Beyonce, better sense of Jamal. You, you will not compete. This is about to be free. I can't believe you even think that you have the audacity to think that you have a shot. Oh, I hope ready for it. Be prepared for the aftermath. Two grand and that's on the table sponsors have already been uh put the put the money Show down the guap, man. Guap. <laughs> the whole lot of guap going off it's <laughs> a lot of guap swapping <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe Game & More forgave Gears of War 3 a 9.4. Ugh, those guys have rocks in their head. It clearly deserves at least a 9.6. Bro, why do you even care? Modern Warfare 3 is a far superior game in every way. You guys are still playing with your consoles? You need to fully immerse yourself in true PC gaming. Are you sick of nerd-ragers making you feel like your games don't matter? Or do you feel like professional game magazines have sold out and only covered major releases? Sure you are, so join us here at secondopiniongames.com and let us make your video game conversations fun again. Our main podcast focuses on all gaming news big and small. And don't forget our other podcasts where we talk about video game collecting, fighting games, the best games you never played, and other just mindless and mindful ramblings that entail what our main focus is. Let us be your first stop in Second Opinion. So stop by secondopiniongames.com. You can also find us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to Gundam at MAHQ. In this segment, we're finally going to tackle a user-submitted topic. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but it's, uh, we're happy to be back. And this one is submitted by Silver Fox Blade. Uh, he writes, I'd be interested to see a discussion and comparison between the few and far between Western mecha works, such as ExoSquad and Battletech, in all its forms, animated show, novels, games, etc. Heavy Gear. Jovian Chronicles, etc., and Mecha in general in the West as they appear in various movies and such, and how they're different and similar to the depictions of Mecha in anime and other mediums in Japanese culture. Man, um, that is a very good idea, and um, we saw this and we wanted to run with it. Uh, I know that uh, I can't really speak on books <laughs> and role-playing games, but I can definitely talk about uh, Western mecha and movies but uh before i get into what i've i've been influenced by uh i'll turn it over to chris first because i know he's uh in literary works he's 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 got a quite a bit of experience with this and i know he's a big exo squad fan so chris take it 
Well, I haven't really read any like mecha books. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> read some books that have like robots and androids, but not any sort of like mecha-based novels, really. So hey, I can't. You, you wow, Starship Troopers? You, you, just, <laughs> you just destroyed his buildup of you, Chris. You should I know. I just answered. <laughs> I, I answered a foot in mouth as I always do. You're welcome. <laughs> It's like, let me pass this to Chris, the authority of all Mac, uh, North American... Mecha no, I'm not the authority. <laughs> <laughs> not at all the authority. Who am I? <laughs> Why am I here? Poughkeepsie. Who, who are you? What? Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Kavetsky. It all falls apart. He's <laughs> having Larry King brain cramp. Woo. Speaking, uh, I think, in, in just sort of the broadest brushes, the difference between... The depictions of Western and Eastern Mecca. Mm-hmm. Uh, Western Mecca, they tend to not be humanoid looking. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen in shows like Exo Squad, movies like Aliens, they tend to just be depicted more as um, just a vehicle or a tool of war as opposed to in the East where Mecca are very human looking and generally are expressed as um, an extension of the pilot rather than just a machine. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they, they look more like uh, machinery. I mean, like uh, construction machinery, like the, the next progression of military. construction. Yeah, something like that, depending on what it is. Because a lot of times we see them as like they're um, like loaders almost. You know, they were like cargo loaders, but now they're now being depicted as, um, you know, for fighting and stuff like that. So... Mm-hmm. You know, walking tanks and um, you know just 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 our 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 uh, terminators and such, <laughs> just just things that are weapons of destruction. Although terminators are humanoid, but um, yeah, just 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 more so vehicles that are that are that are mechanized in a way, shape, or form. Uh, and 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 I know that with Western mecha, they, they're usually um, depicted very grittily and 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 cyberpunkish and and dirty. It's not that clean look. That uh, Japanese anime are uh, Japanese-inspired uh, mecha-based stories and universes uh, present um, in, in in their uh, in their depictions of uh, of mecha worlds that involve mecha in in in, uh, in Western-style stuff. You get things like uh, BattleTech, which is you know one of the longest-running franchises when it comes to Western influ- uh, influence mecha. And I, I I I've come across BattleTech in my uh, in my I, long life, you know, here and there, especially when I was younger, when I, I knew friends that played the role-playing games, and they tried to get me into it. Uh, the closest I ever got to that were the Robotech role-playing games, which were very similar. But, um, you know, I'd, I'd, got, I'd get into discussions with people about Battletech, and they would talk about the different campaigns and stories and just how the mecha was, and it was always interesting to me. But um, did you guys ever come across anything Battletech-related, or um, what were some of your experiences with Western mecha? Well, obviously, uh, Transformers board, and I'm really going to get into that because no, that's don't. sentient, <laughs> no. sentient robots that kind of, no. you know, Why did it's you counter- even mention Because you kind of have to, but mm-hmm. yeah, oh. that's where my experience is, mm-hmm. answering the question. Uh, for me, one of the big ones was um, Exo Squad back yeah. in the 90s, which was a show that I instantly latched on to because it was so different from everything else that had been on TV at the same time. Yeah. Right. It was pretty different. You know, and definitely the uh, the mecha there are not. Uh, I mean, they're they're obviously they're exo frames that are shaped, you know, to wrap around uh, the human body, but they're not human looking. They don't have heads with eyes and, and mouthpieces. Um, 
you know the the one that the the neosapien masala he uses uh is sort of like this two-legged walker thing that looks sort of like the um the glaug from macross kind of right yeah you know so those were definitely not humanoid you know they were just tools that these people used to fight their war against the neosapiens and that's all they were and there were plenty of times where they fought without those tools. So basically the application of how Mecha is in that series is very reflective of uh, Western Mecha and how, how it's depicted, basically, um, uh, you know, with, with exosuits as opposed to being inside of huge humanoid suits or, or, or fantastical-looking pieces of, uh, of uh, robot armor. <laughs> yes, they're very shiny and have lots of weapons. Exactly. And they and they and like you said, they always have like grizzled old guys and stuff like that. Not pretty boys flying or your young children. You know, they're just you know, especially a lot of young them, young Asian boys. Young Asian boys, but yeah, a lot of them are, um, you know, they're um, they're soldiers first. You know, we don't have the situation that these guys are like, you know, accidental teenage pilots and they have to learn the the you know the bitter realities of war they already know it and they're using these things to uh you know help uh, help make those uh, bitter realities happen <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and also the fact that they're usually you know space jarheads or or trained yeah. soldiers you know they can fight without the benefit of um you know their mecha we've seen in, in exo squad there are episodes where they they can yeah. fight without it and they don't have any uh of their exo suits but you take uh say, any of the Asunos from Gundam Age, you take away Ooh. their Gundams, they're just three kids. What can they do? <laughs> they have no abilities whatsoever outside of those suits. I think most, I mean, if you really look at it, most of the pilots uh, within Gundam alone, uh, you take them out. I mean, for the ex- probably for the exception of, um, you know, Setsna, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it comes to parents, he'd, he'd have no problem. Or with maybe uh, Don't Want a Hero. <laughs> yeah, Don't Want a Hero. Yeah. But other than that, all those, you know, and and it is, it's funny because the you know Western in Western culture the, uh, the the mecha are an extension of the fighter's ability, not yeah. you know some trump card that oh this is you know the biggest and best newest thing that you know it's so much more powerful than everything else and blah 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 so. Yeah, well, and getting into that, I know one of the earliest depictions of uh, Mecha and Western uh, Western science fiction was uh, Starship Troopers, the novels in the fifties. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I know I, none of us have really read the books, but uh, I, know- I have the book. I haven't read it, but mm-hmm. I have watched the eighties anime, which yeah. did have uh, the exosuits, yep. unlike the, um, the sort awful. of Terabad ninety seven nineteen ninety seven movie. Terabad. <laughs> Even though it's by a, a director that we love, Paul Verhoeven, yeah, um, it, it the, that movie is definitely missing the mecha in it. You know, it's just uh, space jarheads duking it out with uh with alien uh alien bugs. <laughs> yeah, which the interesting thing, have you guys seen the uh, the Starship Troopers OVA from the eighties? I have not I have. seen it, nor the uh, nor the animated series uh, that came out here in America, the CG one. I heard that's actually pretty decent as well. I've, I've, I've heard seen that, the, but I I've haven't seen the eighties one. Because the 80s one, it was, um, wasn't it done by Sunrise? It was done by Studio New, and, oh. and uh, I believe it was Sunrise uh, yeah. who did the animation. And the interesting thing is, since it's Studio New, all of the, uh, yeah. the suits there, they look like, uh, like Macross Destroids. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the one thing that is pretty evident through the whole thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> they they look like oh, I forget which one it is, but uh, I, I can I can find it in two seconds because they look pretty much exactly like them. They look like the the tomahawks. Oh, yeah. get out! Yeah. Just but sized down to be um, you yeah. know a, a small suit for a guy to jump into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that um, when it comes to anime, uh, the the Western approach to mecha, would you say that uh, Voltarms is probably one of the ones that's a bit more close to the the Western idea of uh, of how how uh, uh, what how mecha should be when it comes For, to that? I don't know that I would say should be just okay. closer to the way uh, it's done in the West because you know Chirico he he blows through so many scope dogs. <laughs> yeah, he you goes know, and through you them sh- like. He goes through Water. them like like tissue paper, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> and and they usually have armor like tissue paper. That's <laughs> yeah, very true. You know, and the thing about Votums is uh, it's stacked toward massive mass production. Mm-hmm. There's not much in the way of like super prototypes. There's only a few here and there, like you know the ones that Fiana and, and Ypsilon use, and the one that Chirico gets at the very end of the TV series. But most of the time, it's just uh, customized grunt stuff that uh, has different weapons for different roles like any real piece of military hardware would so definitely Votoms I think is um, much more on the lines of uh, the western depiction I totally agree it, it's one of the things that threw me off about that show when watching it it's like wow this is this is a very utilitarian use of mecha in this show and how you know this guy is formidable either out or in the suit you know it doesn't matter he can use a piece of shit suit and still make it it's a it's a yeah. piece of it's a piece of hardware to him and and even to a certain extent the original macross oh yeah because yeah. you know hikaru and all these guys he went through a lot of planes any, Hikaru went through uh, a crap load of planes, <laughs> and he used the exact same grunt machines that uh, you know any Joe Friday would use and get killed with there in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he inherits uh, Roy's plane, but he just inherits it because he's the commander, and it's the it's the color scheme. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's nothing special about that. It's not until Macross Plus that they start falling into the Gundam trap of prototypes are the best, cannon fodder sucks, <laughs> and they've been and they've been in that in that mindset ever since with every single series up to frontier so the original series definitely was in that vein but then they totally departed from that Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely they had a utilitarian use for uh mecha in that show too um uh, venturing away from anime and going into uh the, I guess the, the cinematic region. There are a few movies I guess we can mention that um, that feature Mecca that have come out in the uh, come out here stateside over the last I'd say two decades. I know one of note that I saw as a uh, as a young man was uh, Aliens, where Ripley was inside that exosuit <laughs> taking on the uh, the uh, the alien queen towards the end of the movie, and I always thought that was really cool. It's the first time I could tell you that um, I ever saw anything of Mecca in an actual movie, and um, knowing that. James Cameron is a huge mecha fan or anime fan. At least he was back then. Um, it was neat to see a little bit of, of, of that, those touches in that movie. Um, uh, what was your first experience in, uh, in, in, in cinema where you saw, you know, robots being utilized or, 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 or mecha being used? Who's you? Yeah. Um, I, 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 well, Chris. Well, uh, Chris. I'll turn it over to you first. Sorry. I, I was. I was. I was. Yeah. Confused. I'm like, should I speak? Uh, let me. Let me say not, something. It's not let a me, video show. I can't. I can't tell if your point yes. is or not. Well, I'll yes. direct. I'll direct the question towards Chris. Then, uh, yes. what was your first example? Um, well, I didn't see Aliens as a kid, so honestly, I'm. I'm not sure what my first theatrical exposure mm-hmm. would be. Uh, 
I, I can't. I'm, I can't. I'm I can't kind of in the. I'm kind of in the same route with this, Chris, because I can't really remember theatrically where it is, because it always seemed like I noticed it more in cartoons. So, like, possibly aliens. Centurions. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, that was a cartoon, though, and centurions. Yeah. That was a little different because those were just pieces that were put to their suits. Like, mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily mecha or robots that we would think of that way because they would just get attachments to those suits that they had. So, but, um, yeah, that, and you have to think too, the one in the, the, the exosquad or the exoskeleton in aliens, once again, it's got that kind of look to it where it looks like it's more of something used for construction or, mm-hmm. you know, loading or whatever. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the prevalent thing that we see with, with the Western as opposed to, um, you know, to, to the Eastern way of doing it where, you know, they def cause you know, we do know in Gundam, the, the, um, the Gundams do, you know, the mobile suits evolved from the worker suits, but there's, there's not, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's such a, a gap between the progression. We can't sit there and say, okay, the worker <laughs> mobile suit, we can see the RX 78 dash two looks kind of like the, uh, you know, akin to the, the, uh, the, the worker suit that it came from. No, you don't see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, cause they had it, they also had them in, um, a recent movie or thing of movies. It's the matrix. They had them in them. The, That's the last true. two, the last two when they were, uh, defending Zion and having a rave, uh, they, um, they had those, those suits in there. And I didn't see it, but I heard there weren't there um, suits in avatars. Yes, yes, there were. There were uh, exosuits, are um, somewhat mecha in avatar as well. Um, I know how much you, you you don't care for that let's, movie let's much. Not, let's not. But uh, let's not. Uh, well, but yeah. Uh, what about I, I, um? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've I've got an earlier example that I know if you guys have seen. You probably didn't see it in the theaters. I know I didn't. I saw it on home video way back as a kid, but uh. Even though RoboCop himself was more of a cyborg, he had the Ed 209, oh. which was his uh, yes, definitely. His I do recall that. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, good old Ed 209. You have two seconds to surrender. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> that, yeah, we'll that, fix it. We'll fix it. That scene disturbs me to this day, <laughs> as it should, especially if you watch, you know, the gory mess in the director's cut. Yes. Oh my gosh. All, like, all I'm seeing is a model set just being <laughs> shot up and just littered with uh, somebody's guts. <laughs> can, can we mention video games? Because I have a few that I want to give oh, yeah. some mention to. Absolutely. I was actually going to transition into that, but go for it. What, what video games uh, that you'd like to, to bring up here? Gundam Battle Assault? No. <laughs> Battle Assault. <laughs> One of them on the NES, which I, I think Silver might be familiar with. Yeah game called metal storm yeah i'm very familiar with that game which is uh this really neat game uh where you have this japanese style mecha it obviously is a japanese game it was released in america mm-hmm. strangely enough and i recall this the game jumped out at me at first because i was a subscriber to nintendo power as a yes. kid thank you for bringing that up <laughs> it was on the cover of this one issue mm-hmm. but i think the game ended up getting released a lot later after that cover mm-hmm and I didn't play the game until much later on, but seeing pictures of the graphics, which at the time looked good for, you know, circa like 89 or 90, and just seeing the design of that robot, it really stuck in my mind. So when I eventually did play it, 
was a really great game for its time. Hard as hell. Uh, yes. But really fun in this concept that uh, you were in this mecha that could defy gravity. So with the flip of a button, you could be on the ground and you flip to the ceiling and they would use this mechanic to navigate through all these obstacles where you'd have to just constantly be flipping up and down mm-hmm. from the ceiling to the floor oh, that's cool. to get around all of these obstacles and these enemies. But the game was Hard really, balls. really, really hard. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you bring that up. I was watching a, a fighting game stream just not too long ago, and they had a mystery video game tournament. During it, Metal Storm was one of the games they played. <laughs> and this guy who was playing it had to get a certain amount of points. He didn't know what the hell he was doing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but it was cool to see that game again. I hadn't seen it in ages, but I, I, I borrowed that game from a friend, and I, I was intrigued by it, too, because of that issue in Nintendo Power, because they yeah. had a, a spread. They even had like a pullout poster. Yes, they did when yeah, they used to I, do that I, I remember that it was it was it was a really cool and just the design of it is like this is very anime inspired this must be a japanese game that that's, that's coming out and it, it finally get to play that there was another uh, mecha based game on the nes called the guardian legend yeah never played that yeah that was that was that was a lot of fun you had a transformable uh mecha that was i guess a sentient mecha and she, uh, she went through all these trials and tribulations but in- somebody release metal storm on on virtual console or or do a remake that'd be that'd be yeah, neat that would be fantastic <laughs> and i got mm-hmm. i got another game this is one that I actually did play at the time of its release and you might also be familiar with it mm-hmm. on the super nes cybernator Oh, yeah. yeah. A.K.A. Assault Suits Vulcan. Yeah. Oh, wow. So that was the Japanese name of it. Yeah. Now, this game, what I mean, it jumped out at me was it had this anime feel to it because you had these, you know, early 90s anime character designs, but mm-hmm. the mecha were heavily Western. Yes. Absolutely. Because they were these huge, slow-moving, heavily armored hulks. They were painted in, you know, olive green like most military vehicles. You know, they could fly around in space and they could move on Earth. They had some different weapons like lasers and missile launchers and machine guns. But um, the game just had this, like, sort of, for the time, rather gritty aesthetic of, like, traitors and, you know, guys burning up on reentry. And I didn't know it at the time, but obviously the game was definitely very Gundam-inspired. But, Mm -hmm. you know, circa 1993, I didn't know what the hell (laughs) Gundam was. And, um, you know, they even had... O'Neill cylinder space colonies in the wow. uh, in the opening scenes and the cinema scenes, and just the fact that you had all of these robots you're fighting uh, for the time, the fact that you had destructible environments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I, cool. just, I would just stand there like shooting up the the floor and the ceiling, wow. <laughs> just to see it blow up. <laughs> I think we all did that once uh, destructible environments became the norm. <laughs> the, yeah. And then that day, the sadist in you came out. <laughs> you had these, um, you know, some of these tense missions, like you're trying to uh, stop this, like, Axis type thing from falling on Earth, and you have this giant mobile armor chasing you, and then you're falling through the atmosphere, sort of like Gundam slash Sated Gunman. You got all these enemies trying to kill you, even though you're starting to burn up, and they're burning up. And, mm-hmm. you oh, know. Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, some guys get cacraconned. <laughs> and it really was a great game. And boy, did it get hard in the end when you know you're you're invading this enemy capital and they're just throwing everything at you. And you got these giant things that are make your mecha look so puny by comparison. But that wow, that game, which you know I was playing around the same time that Exo Squad was on, that really helped solidify me in this uh, mecha direction and interesting sort of fusion of east and west. Yeah. You, got, you got baptized. <laughs> it's a Becca so yes. early. Man. Yes, it was my baptism. My baptism. No doubt. A- any other games you can think of that you played way back when at all? 
that was probably the biggest influence for me early I, on. I've got uh, I've got two. Um, one of them was actually on the, the old PlayStation. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but it got remade and put on the Dreamcast as well. Space Griffin. I've heard of it, but I, I never, played, never it. played it. Yeah, that game was pretty cool. It had transformable mecha in it, and you were part of a squadron that was sent to the moon to find out what went wrong at a mining facility there. And it had it had a creepy vibe to it because when you get there, you find out that all the all the worker robots, which are which were supposed to be under control by a computer program that that ran the mining facility, have gone amok. Let me and, guess, and, robot apocalypse, huh? Robot apocalypse on yeah. the moon, and you you and your um you and your your squadron have to survive as you try to get to the core of the. Uh, was one of, was one of the pilots Husker? <laughs> it was the only Husker. way they would win. There was a Husker S pilot there, but um, <laughs> you, you you had a you had a group of uh, individuals with different kind of mecha suits that you had to uh to wage why you got to the core of the moon in order to stop the uh the computer from uh from 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 continuing its its madcap uh uh control of the moon <laughs> and destroy it. <laughs> Was it playing the Benny Hill music while I was doing it? <laughs> Absolutely. Yakety sacks the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Space Griffin was, uh, it was, it was ahead of its time. It was a little rough looking for today's standards, but the Dreamcast remake was pretty slick looking also. And I, I gotta mention Metal Gear. Um, Metal Gear, although you don't pilot a mech in there, your main op, op, your, your, your main adversary is a is a mecha suit armed with the nuclear bomb that you know way back when on the on the on the NES it was a different kind of game and um, you know playing Solid Snake and having to 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 use stealth and whatnot to get through all these stages to to eventually uh, meet up with the Metal Gear and destroy it it was it was Solid Snake back when he looked like Michael Bean no doubt <laughs> Michael Bean from uh, what Terminator Terminator yeah. <laughs> And aliens. There you go. Oh. And, and you're bringing up uh, other other uh, other properties with uh, mecha type uh, things in it as well. But yeah, Metal Gear way back when was uh, was definitely ahead of its day. Uh, some other uh, shout outs to Snatcher and Police Knots, which are also from uh, uh, Kojima as well. But um, before we close out the subject, uh, any any last thoughts on 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 gaming or Western Western mecha and gaming or any other uh, medium? I just I think, think it's interesting how they've developed separately over time and are still going in that direction and how you occasionally see some cross-pollination mm-hmm. yeah. on both sides of the ocean, but uh, they are still pretty much firmly rooted in those two basic divides that uh, Eastern are extensions of the pilot that sort of give them superpowers and mm-hmm. Westerns are just pure weapons of war and, and nothing more that help a pilot, but they don't, they don't define the pilot. Yeah. And I think, and I think we're starting to see, you know, and this is probably um, a product of inc- uh, improving special effects that, you know, it's becoming more of a of, of a standard now in a lot of these science fiction type uh, films and, and series that you're going to have some type of mecha in it. And yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, doubt so. if someone did Starship Troopers again now yeah. and try to make it, it not terabad, <laughs> they would probably have the, um, you know. The, the power armors in it yeah well, because i mean i mean because it, it's you know just for the fact of it improving and then let's let's you know look at it too between the the popularity of the iron man movies the avengers movies i mean he, he's basically in a powered armor himself so it's you know it's it's something that we're going to start seeing a little bit more uh frequently uh even though we do see a, a pretty
pretty good amount, but I think it's starting to become one of those things that's a little bit more accepted. But then once again, I think like a, I think the sign for that is I saw yesterday at a park like a mm-hmm. five or six year old kid with a Tony Stark T-shirt. Hey, yeah. that's the talk yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, but between those movies, uh, the the Bay Transformers movies and Real Steel, which was a which was a big hit, and they're making a sequel to. You know, I, I I think that Mecca in uh, in Hollywood cinema is 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 slowly right, but, rising through. But you know, you're bringing. I mean, Transformers and the Real Steel. That's more of like an actual robot. Where you know, yeah. I'm saying more on along the line of the, the thing of you know, it's it. You know, like we saw in Aliens and stuff like that. We're seeing that. You know, we're seeing that a little bit more. So. Yeah, I think we'll continue to see because I think it's a little bit more accepted now. I, yeah. I think you know before it was always kind of maybe looked at something. I, I don't know. Oh, I just, it, it just you wasn't. see it. You see it more and more in, in other mediums too. Like uh, yeah. for example, in in Mass Effect Three, mm-hmm. you have uh, piloted heavy robots. Yeah, oh. and Gears of War Three as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, it's 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 slowly creeping into different forms of media, and uh, it's 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 really cool to see that come about in our in our in our old ages. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but, I, but it, it's it's like Chris stated though it's still funny to see how completely different the eastern and western are. I mean there there is at times like you said the cross pollination, but for the most part it's like you know the the, the way that we've talked about. So, mm. but well, all right. <laughs> but a spirited discussion, and uh, thank you again to Silver Fox Blade for this topic, and uh, we'll be back with more Gundam at MAHQ in just a moment. down the street in that hat people know he's not afraid of anything gun damn straight greetings i am andrew cook the host of pretentious internet theater each month i bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer join us won't you at tinyurl.com slash pit podcast remember there is much drama on the internet but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Just how outrageous are the hosts of the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast? Bulma, brief, from Dragon Ball Z, is such a tease. Anime. You're going to go over to Master Roshi's house every day, wearing your little short shorts, your little sexy tops. Addicts. But you're not going to let him tap that ass, even though he wants to tap it, and he gets nosebleeds all the time. Anonymous. He's 500 years old. The man can't die till he gets laid. Let the man rest in peace. All I gotta say is, Master Roshi's sperm count is over 9,000. Podcast. Don't miss a moment. Tune in at aaapodcast.com and iTunes. Come back here! I'm not finished with you! Come Damn!
is going to bring episode 103 of Gundam to a close but first as always we're going to take your questions in the mailbag which you can submit voicemails to our Google voice number 305-792-8324 or 305-SWATFAG <laughs> that's easy to remember however since we're a little short on time today we're not going to do voicemails we're just going to do regular old mailbag questions from the submission thread on mechatalk.net and our first question comes from berserker8 who says hey gundam crew i just started to rewatch zeta gundam i had to ask who is the better hot pockets maker cats in the g defenser or saji <laughs> in the o riser funny you should mention hot pockets today <laughs> okay well, um, Saji has a, a food service industry background, so yes. uh, I might I might go with him uh, in this regard. Yeah, and I have to say this too because I, I hate that I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but because um, it is something nice about cats. But he actually did do stuff in the G Defensor, like he was actually a pilot and he actually fought in combat. Where this Saji guy, he just sat in the back there with Haro, and Haro basically did everything. And like Chris said, he does have the, um, the food service industry uh, experience, so I would go with Saji myself. Sol, bro, uh, I would I would always side with Saji, man. He 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 worked for Pizza Hut, man. That, enough said. <laughs> <laughs> enough said. All right. Next, we have Tony Banker, who says first. Ring of Gundam, Tamino's five-minute CG short. Even though it was never subbed yet as of this writing, though it'll probably never will be, have you guys seen it, and what are your comments on it, including the possible theory I heard where the message of the short was Tamino was saying that Gundam fans should get a life. P.S. There was an article on it referring to the original longer version to which it could not be seen as an expanded version of sorts. Here's a link to it just in case. He has a link to an article on Zionic Republic. I watched it, and from what I've read about the description of what happens, it just sounds to me like a convoluted jumble of stuff that makes no sense. Ooh. <laughs> so if there is a message in that short, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Sounds like Tamino. <laughs> yes. Well, this is even this is even more so than normal. I saw it a long time ago, but I only seen it once, and it didn't. I, I don't know what it was even about. So I haven't seen it at all yet. I, I look forward to checking it out, though. All right. He also says here, Chris, my favorite thing about each episode of Gundam is your straight talk slash fact check express, primarily because you are always right and make a lot of sense. Now, don't don't go inflating my ego here. <laughs> Otherwise, you may regret exactly, right? Ego's at critical, duck. <laughs> you may notice that my swagger has a new swagger. <laughs> Maybe one of you out there gets that community reference. <laughs> I do. All right. He says, I share your frustrations with the anime community, as I myself have dealt with similar frustrations, but from another medium, the comic book community. Oh, However, okay. I think the anime com community is worse compared to the comic book community going by the various straight talks you've done. Sure, I've dealt with the arrogance of both publishers and fans, and even fans' point of views can change more so than a normal mood whiplash but you chris the things you deal with you could probably make a daily game of multiple choice out of it but i don't know between these two mediums and our frustrations that can come out of them what is your opinion you know despite the focus of the straight talk express which you know 
usually can cast a pretty wide net or the slaying the sacred cow on chaos theater i've come mm-hmm. to the conclusion that every fandom of everything mm-hmm. is horrible yeah i'd agree you look at you look at sports you mm-hmm. look at tv shows you look at video mm-hmm. games you look at anime comic books every everything that has a fandom they're all horrible especially <laughs> the fandom where the the thing that they like somehow it becomes something that defines what these people who they are and yes. they they just become un, insufferable. I mean, and yes, I agree. I, I don't think it's just anime. I think it's the comic book fans are crazy. The sports fans are insane. Mm. Yeah, um, sports fans are among the worst, but there are others who can be just as yeah. bad. So I used to think like, oh, these fans are worse than these others. No, and those just we joke about it like, oh, Gundam fans are the worst, or you know, Ava fans are the worst. No, I mean these every fan is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Or has the potential to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now our next question uh, comes from M121Akuma, who says, For this post, I promise I will not ask Solbro any fighting game-related questions. I did just leave a doozy over in Fighters Ready Dropbox, though. That he did. I look forward to the response for that. Mm-hmm. So, Neo and Chris, what are your favorite fighting games? <laughs> oh, my God. Really? <laughs> just, just amuse the guy. Um, I liked uh, I like Soul Calibur. I liked Guilty Gear. Those are the only ones I really kind of ever played. Mm-hmm. You know, I played Street Fighter back in the day, but I just never I was never really that good at it. Oh, uh, Marvel's Capcom too. Yeah, I was about to say you, yeah. you like Marvel too for a while. Hey, at least they're, yeah. re- they're re-releasing Guilty Gear on uh, Xbox Live and PSN soon. Yeah, yeah it's gonna be pretty. I cool. just I just uh, it's um you know I was always making money off of betting people on Madden. So, you know, money trumps all. Show them the guap, man. Yeah. <laughs> if I was better at fighting games, I would have just done bets on that, but I wasn't. So Back in the 90s when I was probably most into fighting games, uh, some of my favorites were the various iterations of Street Fighter 2, mm-hmm. along with uh, some of the SNK stuff like mm-hmm. Fatal Fury, oh, Samurai yeah. Showdown, oh. and... Um, the the little lone and obvious and uh, often maligned Street Fighter clone World Heroes. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Two Jet was the shit. <laughs> I, I just I just liked those SNK games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, more recently now in modern times, I still play Street Fighter, not not that much. And um, you know, I did put a lot of time into uh, Soul Calibur, so hmm. that has been my thing as far as 3D fighting games. Not it was never too big on Virtua Fighter, and never really into Tekken. And never really into Dead or Alive. Oh, oh of course, in the 90s, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Mortal Kombat. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. I played a lot of Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 and uh, was definitely very impressed by the most recent reboot. Oh, yeah. Called mm. just Mortal Kombat. Mortal Mondays are back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I forgot. I had a short, uh, I had a short uh, Tekken Tag tournament uh, phase <laughs> where it seemed like I was playing that game all the time, but... Yeah. Can't beat that Tekken Bowl. No. <laughs> and he also says, on a more serious on-topic question for all three of you, how do you guys handle your shopping at conventions? Hmm. Are you a bit more willing to spend money on things you may not purchase otherwise, or do you try to avoid purchases that you weren't interested in before you walked into the dealer's room door? Do you give yourself a budget before going to the con, or do you just play it by ear? Also, what is your most prized con purchase? Ooh. it's a lot of questions. So, Solbro. 
<laughs> when I go to most conventions, anime conventions, uh, I really don't buy much anymore. The most I'll buy are mangas that I'm missing. Um, the occasional model, if I see one that's really cheap, uh, cheaper than what it normally is. Uh, and like uh, my most prized con possession... Um, I re- Neo had, uh, we had talked about this just a little bit earlier. I, I, I really enjoyed when I went to Comic Con that they, uh, were selling a, a Street Fighter art book, uh, a hardcover one, yeah. uh, which was the Street Fighter history or Street Fighter, uh, it was a, in celebration of Street Fighter and it had a lot of art from different, um, independent artists that submitted it for the book. And I, I, I love that book to this day. I think it's my, my, probably my, my treasured con, um, purchase that I, I bought. And that was at Comic Con 2009, 2008, sorry. Um, I'll be honest. Um, I don't really go in with the budget, and I don't really buy a lot of stuff. I buy some if I think something's cool and I like it. I just get it that, that way. I don't really, um, you know, I, I don't really have any issue when it comes to that. And um, most prized con possession, I do like the Street Fighter book. Um, I also got the uh, the clear RX seventy eight. Mm, Dash yeah. two. That was that was pretty cool. Hell yeah. Um, and um, I really can't think of anything else because a lot of the stuff uh, I've been selling on eBay. So <laughs> <laughs> must not be looking to that much. <laughs> had to clean had to clean out the closet though. You start collecting too much of that crap, it over overwhelms you. Mm. So, Chris, I usually go in with some kind of a budget, and uh, it really depends on what I find. Generally, my thing is to find stuff that's rare. Stuff that um, you know you're not going to find easily online, so I'm out there looking for stuff that you know anything that catches my interest that is that is not easy to find. Uh, what might have been one of my most prized possessions was a few years ago. I was going to buy the Solo of Chogokin Dragonar. Ooh. It was on sale, really, really cheap, and literally a second before I grabbed it, some other guy grabbed it in front of me, and it was the only one the guy had. Dick. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know what? I think one of my prized ones is, is it actually sounds kind of stupid, but it's the uh, I was finally able to grab the uh, Perfect Grade Strike Gundam mm-hmm. because every time I try to get it online or at the local model shops, it was always sold out. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was like, Chris, if somebody before me always grabbed it before I could. <laughs> but this is literally like right before my eyes. Yeah. I, wanted, oh, I zeroed in on this. I wanted to buy it, and then this guy just picked it up. Yoink. And he started looking at it. So what I did was I, I went into uh, a stalker mode. Mm. So I hung out like across from the booth. This is at Megacon. Oh. So I'm hanging out across the booth like watching this guy because he's walking around in this booth with it. He's asking the guy questions. So I'm waiting to see like if he puts it down and walks away from it for like a second. So then I can run in and snatch it. Mm-hmm. But no, he, uh, he bought it. That oh, bastard. Damn. And then I asked the guy, like, hey, do you have another one? And he's like, no, don't have any more. That was it. That like, was shit. It. Son of a bitch. Because those, those things are expensive, and this thing was, oh, like, no. more than half off. Oh, it normally awesome. goes for about 80 bucks, and this guy was selling it for, like, 40 That's amazing. And then and, and, and I guess that's why the other guy picked it up. <laughs> Must yeah, so, you know, <laughs> if I bought anywhere else, it would be, you know, $80 plus international shipping. So that was, would have been a huge saving, but alas, it was not to be. So, uh, interestingly, two of my most prized possessions are ones that I didn't even buy. Uh, one is uh, the, the good old Argama that was uh, oh, yeah. passed on to me by, by our pal, the Hod. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other, the... Uh, comic-con clear arc 78 passed along by my uh, co-hosts here so 
Yeah. Those are those are on my shelf, right next to each other. Actually, I'm looking at mine. Mine's on my desk. <laughs> it's in a box. <gasps> right, mine's still. So, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, mine's still in my box as well too. It's it's. No, uh, I mean mine's in a box. Oh like, no way. Box <laughs> away. So I didn't unpack that when I moved. So mm-hmm. it's it's in a box in storage. So. All right. So for this next question, uh, guys, don't freak out. We're gonna temporarily skip ahead to a more recent question because it needs to be addressed and then we're going to go back to the questions before it so Ooh, all right. don't think that we leapfrogged over half the page but this is something that needs to be addressed so okay. uh noob starts off with a disclaimer oh shit uh hidden in spoiler tags and says here it's very legalese uh neither i nor any other evangelion fans on this board are connected in any way shape or form whatever irrational posts exist above my own are not necessarily views held by all ava fans nor are all ava fans unable to use spell check this post is not intended as a challenge towards the views held by gundam on the subject of neon genesis evangelion nor is it in any way shape or form an attempt to proselytize either the gundam hosts or the listeners of gundam all opinions expressed below <laughs> running, running of the podcast itself and is not a discussion about the relative merits and demerits of Neon Genesis Evangelion. Chris is not a lawyer. <laughs> Do not forget. Read Sound the- like one. <laughs> Reading all that. Yeah. Is that the question? Uh, no, here's the question. First, I'd like to congratulate you on having at least hit all of a- Ava's major sore spots. However, I'm afraid that I was disappointed by how you allowed yourself to fall to the level of the trolls. I had expected an intelligent, calm dissertation of the pros and cons of Ava, followed by a final passing of judgment, which would explain to me the reasoning behind the views held by, the, by Gundam. Instead, there was a brief description of the core of the cast, and then it's right into the rage train, making brief local stops at each of Ava's problems. It did not feel like the Gundam hosts, like the Gundam that was so reasonable during the magazine scan drama of Gundam Rage. Mm. I would have liked a greater emphasis on the rather major plot and problems with character development that Ava had. Those were huge. The podcast mentioned them, but with far too little detail when, in fact, they are Ava's most vulnerable weak spots. You address them, but they were not the focus of the attack when they ought to have been. Why talk about the bad corporate behavior and a bad fandom when you could have devoted the largest portion of the podcast to specific instances of bad writing? You were, in your own words, quoting Chris here, rambling as Ava itself (laughs) with a time code. Added on with footnotes. Still a decent episode. Towards refreshing to hear a dissenting voice in the subject of Evangelion. Thank you for reviving my somewhat cooled passion for that show. Okay, now the reason I bring this up now is. Oh. I know we've been playing along with the joke here and been keeping it running. Are we going to break the fourth wall? Is that what we're going to do? Yeah, we, we have to, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, shit. So <laughs> apparently, uh, to Progdoom, you were the one guy who did not get the joke of episode 100, mm-hmm. which is that wasn't us. <laughs> and if you listen to it again, it's pretty obvious who it is. The whole episode was one giant troll, and as such, we did not have any input on the discussion. We didn't tell anyone what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, our impersonators said everything that they felt like saying, and that was the point of that episode. <laughs> so all for comedic like, effect. <laughs> yes, it's all. Co- it was all for comedy, but you seem to have taken it as serious business. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, I do want to handle this one point that I see coming up more recently mm-hmm. uh, in regards to the comparison of the discussion of Ava versus Gundam Age. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, that we were talking about Ava. Um. I don't see how that comparison holds because there's a huge difference between pre-raging about something that hasn't even aired 
versus judging after the fact something that has completely aired more than a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. The two things couldn't really be further apart, so I don't see how, if we had done that Ava episode, why you would be surprised by that difference when you're looking at something that hasn't aired to something that already has long ago. And the other thing is, just because we don't review something or uh, review a specific point that you feel is important, I mean, it, it doesn't change what our review is or anything like that. So, I mean, sometimes we're not always going to hit every point. So, uh, Different and, things uh, are important to different yeah. people. Some people, they watch mecha shows. All they care about is uh, shipping. Some, all they care about is the fight scenes. Some, all they care about is the robots. You know, mm-hmm. not everyone has the same priorities. So the fact that our imposters didn't um, line up with what you felt was important doesn't mean that what they said was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So moving back up, Oh-ho. we jump to Mr. Bushido, who says, which is worse, the elves or the Borg? Ooh. Well... Getting uh, spiked by the elves is certainly painful, mm-hmm. but they're just confused guys who don't know how to speak to humans. Yeah. The Borg know how to speak to humans, and they don't care. They want to assimilate you, and there's they're no negotiating with that. None. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd probably be worse for the Borgs, because yeah, they're just my, they're you know they just they want to destroy everything or assimilate yeah. it, like you said. Uh, yeah. The, the elves, the elves, the elves came to reason. The Borg. They they never do. They're, they're, there's no changing them. No. Number two, I've been playing the Star Wars Old Republic MMO, and I've been following the updates on their main site and their Facebook page. As usual, you have your constant complainers bitching about how the game sucks, even though it's now only four months old, and goes as far as saying they're unsubscribing because with a previous patch, Sifs can use blue slash green colored lightsaber crystals, and <laughs> eyes can use red, calling it destroying the lore. My question is, not oh, just with God. this game specifically, but with all games, why do these morons keep shitting on anything new and threaten to cancel their subscription or stop playing for even the smallest reason, even though no one gives a zoinks? I realize that with any new thing coming out, you will have that divine public opinion, but I want to know what drives them to hate X item. Why must they push themselves to hate something that's less than half a year old? Well, <laughs> you don't have to look much farther than another recent Bioware effort, Mass Effect 3. Yeah. Which, uh, boy, is the 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 uh, the anal outrage on that game uh, is astounding. <laughs> which I'm playing it now, so you know, eventually, uh, once I reach the ending, I'll, I'll see what all the butthurt is about. But uh, you know, that's we've touched on this point before. It's just the way the internet is. People have to complain about everything at all times. Nothing can just be left as it is. It has to be complained about. Everything is a holy war against, you know, any sort of transgression. Everything is a conspiracy theory by companies to make more money. Mm-hmm. And you had people complaining to the Better Business Bureau that Bioware uh, engaged in false advertising because of the end <laughs> Mass Effect 3. Yeah, that, that, that's a little weird to me because false advertising is basically uh, advertising something that is completely different from the end product. It's not just because you don't like the uh, the ending. Yeah. It's that's not false advertising. Yeah, you're you're talking you're comparing apples and oranges because one thing is, you know, objective facts. Does a product yeah. do X items as advertised versus this is very subjective. Did you like or not like the creative choices that these game developers took? Mm. Yeah. 
False advertising would be like if, uh, if a car dealership said, we're going to sell a brand new Mercedes for $10,000, and you go there and it's regular price. That's false advertising. <laughs> I mean, and unfortunately, there was a recent story that the Better Business Bureau concluded that uh, it could be false advertising, which to me is just terrible. Well, That's I mean, so uh, stupid. The only grounds I think that they have, and this is the only grounds I think, is that when oh, they when they made oh. Mass Effect, um, they they made it sound like the choices that you made all throughout the series was gonna you know allow for a unique experience towards the end of the game. Um, well, they they and, do. It's just yeah. that you know people aren't happy about those choices, but. No matter how many, uh, I don't want to get into this too much. Yeah, yeah we no we'd, we'd be going no to Angry Joe many, territory. No matter how many choices you make in the game, mm-hmm. you're still limited to by what Bioware conceived of. Yeah. In other words, it's not like this game has some kind of like dynamic artificial intelligence that will, you know, generate new scenarios on the fly based on every choice you make. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in the sandbox, and yes, you have choices on who lives, who dies, what fashion you align with, what you. Do in certain situations but in the end you're still limited to what they conceive your choices can be exactly so to think that you have total choice over every aspect of how the game develops and how the story plays out they never promise that i don't think you know because it's just obvious you cannot control every aspect you cannot account for every single little variable you're still limited to by what can be conceived by the human mind yeah yeah and and now we're starting to go into a real slip i hate saying this the slippery slope <laughs> thing but i mean just because you don't like the ending of a story, that's false advertising. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if you're reading a, a, a trilogy of books or a trilogy of films and, mm-hmm. you know, the end result isn't the way you want it, now you're going to watch your, your – it's false advertising. What are you talking that about? It's time, it's time to sue the Wachowski brothers, man. Let's get on that. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – you know, you, you, well, if that were to happen, George George Lucas would be sued out of yeah, existence, out of his mind. <laughs> and I also noticed that the people that bitch and complain the most about these things are their biggest fans and their most loyal fans. So it's 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 the battered wife syndrome. Who will complain and then still buy it anyway? Oh yeah, we hate George Lucas, but every time he brings out a new action figure or you know. DVD or Blu-ray reboot were, were the first ones in line. So. Well, we, we hate EA, but we'll keep buying more and more Bioware DLC. Yeah, exactly. Amen. AKA Soul Bros. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Number three, what are your thoughts on the pricing for the Unicorn Ep5 Blu-ray on Amazon? Me, personally, I thought the pricing is disgusting. Mm, well, mm. What he's referring to is that on Amazon, it's currently $95. Jesus yeah. Christ! <laughs> which uh, I believe is because they're carrying Japanese imports, which is yeah. not what we've been getting up to now. However, uh, for the uh, more reasonably priced forty-seven ninety-nine, you can pick it up on Right Stuff. So I recommend everyone go there instead. It's not a great price, but better than ninety-five. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Next, we have Angel Wing Zero, who says, Hey, Gundam crew, I've got a couple of questions today. Number one, what are each of your favorite super robots and why? Ooh. Each of our favorite super robots? Yeah. Oh, I, I gotta say, Magenzer Z is mine, or more so Magenkaiser. Um, a notable mention to uh, uh, Geki Ganger. <laughs> yeah, I like the Magenkaiser. Yeah. I'll say for now, Grin Logan, just for ridiculousness. Yeah, there yeah, you go. That's true, too. <laughs> for exponential <Yeah>. ridiculousness. <laughs> uh, series or movie version? Uh, whichever. <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. All ridiculous. All of the yeah. above. Number two, have any of you seen Shin Mazinger? It's a nice reimagining of the original story with a surprisingly deep plot, possibly worth a discussion. 
I saw the first two episodes, and yeah. I have not gone back to it. I probably will at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. I saw the first episode just to see how it was done, and I haven't I haven't kept up with it. So I haven't I have not seen it myself. Uh, just just bits and pieces of the first uh, and the OVA. They preceded it. Oh, this next one. This one's right up Solbro's alley. Oh boy. <laughs> I also produce a tech podcast for my job. Uh, I'm curious what this is, so please let us know. Mm-hmm. We're having no success getting on the Zoom network through their normal submit process. <laughs> is there anything else we can try to get up on the Zoom outlet? That's a good... Well, my advice to you would be don't bother with Zoom because it's Zoom. <laughs> uh, There's a very good question because uh, I've been trying to submit. I, I try to submit other podcasts through them. And for some reason, they're not as receptive as they were back when Gundam started. Gundam, they had a process you could submit it through, through the program itself, and now that's no longer there. So you, you have to go to their website, try to submit the, uh, the RSS feed, and, and hope that they see it and actually give a shit. And um, I, honestly, the, aside from getting a hold of Microsoft themselves, I, 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 don't think it's, I, don't, I don't think there's any real way to submit a podcast for them anymore unless you're a big name. So that's, uh, that's what I've run into over the last couple of years. All right, and finally today, we're going to close off with our favorite Australian criminal, Mula Falaga. Oh, wow. Says, hey, Gundam team, got something simple to ask. What are your thoughts of robots or robotics or things along those lines? Comics. I'm thinking Western comics specifically. You have a few interesting villains and heroes who make use of it. For instance, Sentinels, Spider Slayers, Ultimo, Ultron, The Ghost, Iron Man villain, The Beetle, uses an advanced mechanical flying exoskeleton. And for the heroes, you have, like, Vision, Cable, Deathlock, Iron Man, War Machine. I admit I'm not overly familiar with DC, though. Marvel has been my thing more. So what are your thoughts? Thanks, guys, and look forward to your answers. Pretty uh, well-timed question, given our earlier topic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I, I know uh, Dr. Doom you can throw in there. He's got Doom bots as well. But, uh, I mean, they, 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 it's pretty much Western influence when it comes to uh, how they utilize their, their, their mecha or their, their, their robots or whatnot. Um, there was a comic book I used to read back in the day called ROM. Uh, when yeah. I was a kid, and I, I used to read that in Space Knight, the Space Knight man, that was so. It was such a cool comic book, man. It was one of the first comic book series I actually read because uh, a friend of mine was collecting it, and I'd read every issue that he'd buy. So um, that's that's my first memories of uh, robots in uh, American comics, and it was a really good book, man. I I, I kind of would like to read a reprint of that. Yeah, it's, uh, mm, go ahead. I'm always down with uh, watching the X-Men fight the Sentinels or Spider-Man fight the Spider-Slayers. Those are always interesting situations. This one's for Morph. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, morph. Ooh, man. Logan. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, uh, you're right. Because I've always liked, uh, you know, even though it was somewhat reminiscent sometimes of like Monster of the Week with the X-Men and the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. Um, it made sense because it just showed what the government and stuff would do that they were so worried about the um, the mutants that they, they built these just ginormous uh, machines. <laughs> and then and then, you know, in the uh, you know, in later incarnations the suits are actually piloted by members of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, I mean, it, it got really you know, they started going through the whole basis there. So, um, you know, it's like you said once again. You know, the, these things are more looked at as 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 tools or as uh, weapons. Um, you know, Iron Man's armors. He's they're always the, he, Tony Stark always uses them as mm-hmm. uh, weapons, and he's always tinkering and always 
improving. I mean, he's he's got God countless uh, you know things of these, and um, you know some of the other people. I always thought the ghost was very interesting because that was the uh, this was the guy of you know be careful what you wish for when it comes to technology because he he became he had this techno suit that he could you know basically do the old uh, ghost in the shell dive into the net, <laughs> and now he's like permanently he can't really take it off. I think he take the helmet off, but. You know, he's always kind of like in this partial space and he's always floating and yeah, it's, you know, he's become what, uh, what he was trying to get into. So yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting stuff. I'll, Vi- I'll throw in, oh, sorry, go ahead. I oh, know. Wasn't Vision also a robot too? Android. Yeah. yeah. Android. He's, a, he's an Android. Uh, Ultron. Ultron's Frankenstein's monster because he was basically, the I Ant-Man. believe, yeah, built by Hank Pym mm. and became you know they did the the smart version of making him out of antimantium and (laughs) and uh, some type of like uh you know power source that does not go out and they always it always seems like the way they beat him is they always got to put something down his throat so yeah Yeah, towards the end of the first season of the avengers cartoon that's on uh, netflix now they take on ultron so ultron shows up and uh they have to take him out so it's a really cool storyline there I'll throw in since it had two comic book series, so that officially counts. Gargoyles. Yes. I always uh, enjoyed Xanatos, his Goliath-style power armor, because <laughs> in it, I mean, basically for those first two seasons of the show, and also in in the Marvel comic that was running at the same time, he's basically an evil Tony Stark. Yes, he was <laughs> using all of his riches for his own advancement, and occasionally donning his uh, his Goliath power suit. Or using his Steel Clan robots to harass the gargoyles. Voiced by the pimp himself, Jonathan Frakes. Yes. <laughs> or as he recently became in a uh, TNG Season 8 uh, tweet, Velociriker. Velociriker! <laughs> With uh, an episode summary that reads that, uh, and mind you, I read this because Will Wheaton retweeted it. Oh, nice. And said, uh, Wesley's science experiment backfires and mixes dinosaur DNA <laughs> with Riker's beard, creating the dangerous and sexy Velociriker. <laughs> Troy's mom wants to marry it. Dude, mixing dinosaur DNA with his beard? Oh, that just does spell, spell doom. It's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so picture in your head, if you can, Velociriker. <laughs> Thomas Riker better watch out. <laughs> Indeed. So, yeah, I always enjoyed those robots, both the plain old robots and the uh, power suit that Dinosaurus wore, because it just looks so cool. Mm-hmm. Badass. So that'll that'll wrap up this mailbag. Please submit more through the usual methods, and I will uh, turn over to Sobro. You have any shout-outs you want to mention? I do. Uh, real quick, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, Bullet Beast. He, uh, he, amongst uh, uh, other people on Twitter, always retweet uh, announcements for the shows uh, for, for, for Gundam and, and Shinjuku Station and, and for MHU Podcast, and I wanted to give him a shout-out. Um, also, the Gundam fan chat just recently went down, the first episode of that, um, and it was uh, hosted by Nathan Britt, who we know as uh, Nasty Nate. Uh, he got together with some people at the Gundam Facebook group, uh, Torino de Guzman, Robert Hayes, and Abene Rao from England. They all got together and just talked about uh, the, the 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 podcast and um, 
and just other other what things. What the heck of did Gundam. they talk about? <laughs> they talked about relationships in Gundam as well, but um, they just got together on yeah, Skype. What do they, they talk about? What, what do they talk about our podcast? Well, they, it, it, it's I'm just the, it's, I'm, no, I'm just trying to like understand what they're talked about. Like, it, it's it's kind of like remember a verbal... back in episode 42 when <laughs> it sounded like Chris farted. I mean. <laughs> Remember every other episode when it sounded like he was eating something? It, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like a verbal version of Mecha Talk. Uh, that's what they equated it to. And it, 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 it flowed very well. I, I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I wanted to give them a shout out. You'll find a link for the episode uh, that they produced in this one. And if you want to become part of that conversation, head on over to the Gundam Facebook group. And they uh, have uh, casting calls for that all the time. So uh, just be on yep. the lookout. But uh, my hat's off to you, uh, Nasty Nate, and I hope you keep it up. Yeah, I haven't uh, listened to it yet, but uh, just the idea of it sounds cool, and I, I like that we inspire people to you know get together and talk about a bunch of junk just because we did. It's the, it's the Gundam Nation coming forth, man. That, I'm proud of these guys. <laughs> well, we, we, better beat, we better beat down the Gundam Nation before they get funny ideas and, and start a coup against us. Subjugate them. Always they're not robots, man. That's the worst. Once we start getting robotic fans, mm-hmm. then I got to get the mag light. <laughs> before, before I forget, definitely peep these websites. Head on over where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. That's the Mecha and Anime headquarters. Also, you can check out Gundam's main website at Gundam.net. That's right. It's spelled as it sounds. Also, you can find us on iTunes, Facebook, and other forms of social networking. If you look for those links, you'll find them at Gundam.net as well. After listening to this episode, you should definitely check out Chaos Theater. And you can find it by going to chaostheater.blogspot.com. A jack-of-all-trades otaku podcast hosted by MAHQ and Gundam's own Chris Guanche and our favorite pedal bear south, Pedro Cortez. And back to you, Chris. All right, and that will bring an end to this episode 103 of Gundam and MHQ. We'll catch you guys next time. trick up his sleeve, he points a gun at Bob and says, bitches leave, with a silencer on, he shoots the legs and the knees, of a terrified Bob, what he begs and pleads, Clarence whips out a DVD, and Dick Jones' face fills the TV screen, he puts a grenade on the table to finish the job, I'm cashing you out. The house is blown up spectacularly, then Clarence heads off to a cocaine factory, he says, I don't want to Come quietly or there will be trouble. He targets all the criminals of which is quite a few. Ah, oh. you. Clarence remains, he tries to escape, Robo grabs him, no, and repeatedly throws him through the nearest window, his face gets cut up after each throw, I work for Dick Jones, Dick Jones, Robo tries to choke him but decides to stop, you're a cop, I am a cop, now Clarence has lost out, Robo's the winner, book him, what's the charge, he's a cop killer, he spits blood on his desk, disgusting him all, just give me my the vice president using Clarence's confession as evidence. You are under arrest. You better take me in. I will. What's the matter, officer? It's a little insurance policy called 
Directive 4. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Nice. Cool. Old school. Cool, cool, cool. Which one is me? I assume nothing because I'm not racist. Oh, we're adorable. Why did this thing take photos if it was going to completely fabricate random body shapes? That's what I'm saying. My hair looks good, though. Orange button is jump. <laughs> Which guy am I? There's a door here. Peace. Love. What's that? I think it's a hippie. Peace. Love. Aww. Annie, stop awing everything. Don't be jaded. He's saying peace. Hello. Sex. Did what? he say rape? Drugs. Sex. Uh-oh. Oh. I'll save you, Annie. Oh! Oh, sorry. Oh. Trying to... Oh. Jeff, you just murdered Annie! Well, better than doing nothing.